Anyway, so, Graham, what have you been uh, up to this week? Uh, since apart we from, last... Apart, apart from walking around your house naked, apparently. Undies. Undies, Undies. okay. That's, right. Anyway, people don't need to know about that side of me. That's the weird side. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, the uh, the weird er side. Weird, yes. the, yeah. The, uh, it's not all about guns. <laughs> just most of it. Um, since we last talked, that's uh, the private channel for the subscribers. <laughs> they get the extra channel, but yeah, that's the um, the fans only. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, what have I been up to? So, a bit of shooting as per normal. Um, we've set up a bit of a mini um, uh, practical rifle, some sort of targets that you can shoot from multiple positions on a bit of a hill. Yep. Uh, we do a lot of our long range, so we set a bunch of that up and did a heap of practice on last Sunday, just me and Mark, just playing around. Um, that was good fun, real good fun, actually. And a few other things, playing with the friend of mine, got one of the Benelli M2 shotguns you may have seen on my that. page. Yes. Very cool, very that... impractical. Oh, oh the, the greatest guns are. Um, yeah. Did you? It, was that the Cerakote on it? Is that factory or has somebody been playing with it? I don't believe so. He uh, yeah. found it on the rack of his local gun store and took it home. <laughs> yes. Um, it is, yeah, just for like that, um, just making noise um, yeah. sort of thing. It's cool, man. We'll shoot some slugs and some buckshot at like 30, 40 metres, whatever it was. Um, it was a blast. Um, yeah, we, and we probably might try to do a little bit of hunting with it. <clears throat> some of the scrubbier spots. Maybe if we get a chance, get it on some goats up close. Um, but anyway, well, it's a bit gory. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's in her. I mean, you start buckshot. It's in the name, you know. It's not something yeah. New Zealand we do much down here, but it's not uncommon overseas. And I think I was saying to to you or the other guys a while ago, a guy I bumped into is uh, Russian, and he was. And if there's any Russians listening in, please confirm or whether he's telling me a porky. But he seemed to feel that uh, the licensing system over there, you spent the first five years hunting and shooting a shotgun before you're allowed to send to fire anyway. So uh, yeah, it might be something like that, yeah. You know, which is like the, the equivalent, I guess, of a learner's license for your firearms license, which was, was interesting, you know, mm. as a concept. Yep. But, um, man, I could see the advantage of a scatter gun up close in the bush. Yeah, um, yeah, talking very close, 10... 15 yards maybe eh? the trouble this has um quite a short barrel and absolutely no choke um but uh so you you're just cylinder bore um but yeah anyway that was fun fun uh shotgun to play with uh you'll see more of it i've actually got a bunch more photos so they'll get drip fed out and as we do a bit more shooting i'll take a few more but um so i had to play with that too um i also picked up a large collection of french sort of 18th 19th century rifles not really the topic of this but i'll doing a display on those at uh upcoming taranaki gun show so if you like oh you, you're going full lap you like dressing up or <laughs> no 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 so they'll be all displayed um oh, okay. <laughs> and um yeah, yeah if you like the old uh classics especially french you don't see a lot of french surplus in new zealand no. mainly because our ancestors never had a chance to steal any of it and bring it home like they did everything else because we never fought the French. Um, we fought with them, apart from when they sunk our boat in Auckland. But anyway, I was yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, doing that stuff, um, doing some reloading of some 6.5 Creedmoor with the 123-gram ELDMs, um, just playing around with making a bit of content on alternate projectiles away from, like, the 140s and the 143s, mm-hmm. 147s mm-hmm. that are just um, unobtainium for most of at this point in time because believe it or not that's not the only way 
Um, so that's yielding pretty good results, um, accurate, um, fast, um, but I'm only at 100 metres. I haven't pushed out further than that with that. But So you might see some more of that coming up. Um, I already know the 130 grain is work. I run them in my 260 and they're awesome. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah. So so it's been between working, family, and then doing um, all this gun stuff, it's been a pretty busy four, uh, seven days since we last talked. I um I took the I had a, a TACA wonder set up and um I got the I'm just trying to think I might must have talked about this last week as well but I, I was um took the um uh, Sarco TRG ammo out which is a one thirty six one thirty nine yeah anyway one thirty six CNR yeah yes so um I did the did a, I've done a video that's up on Precision Shooter at the moment talking about the TACA one and that it's sort of it's sort of a review of the Burris XTR three I guess mm-hmm. is kind of what the focus is but talk about that Sarco ammo and put some data up on there as well and yeah it was um, faster than the one forties ELDMs. So I did some quick calculations. It's less elevation and it's like 0.1 mil more wind at um, five uh, at 700 meters, I think. Yeah. So it's pretty, you know, horses for courses. I need to grab another box of the 140s if I can find a box of it and shoot them next to each other and just go for that feel factor of it. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, as I said in that video, I think we've Hornaday have done so well, local local international distribution that everyone is just like fixated on the ELDMs, ELDXs, and hell, I've been pushing them because I've been part of probably that you know that that. Mm-hmm bandwagon whatever you want to call it as well and i think big big whackers because a lot of our information comes in from america that we're watching those guys and their podcasts and watching their videos and of course hornaday they'll be using hornaday they won't be you know the sinars you know burgers i suppose or is it burger or burger i I seem to have a mental block with uh when i listen to the frank garley um the burger no burger no burger 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 no bc thing no it's bullshit burger. burgers, Bull- burger. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's something. It does I don't think it actually matters. Bourgeois. Um, if you say it wrong, it'll still shoot the same. Psycho, psycho. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you just don't you don't hear as much about them because I think of just the heavyweight marketing powerhouse that is Hornaday and. Full credit to yeah. them, but yeah, it's um, at the same time. Yes, there's alternatives out there that 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 do pretty well as well. So, yeah, there are heaps of options. Yeah. Th- then had another had another rifle dropped off that um, has got a couple of boxes of a TRG six five ammo in there as well. So you know, yeah, changing the wave or changing the tide already. I think that so. the Sarko ammo. It, I can't speak for other countries, but in New Zealand, will push back a little bit on Hornaday. Um, for that sort of box match grade ammo, and it's a very similar price point. I think. I, mean, we exactly, about I think I looked at it, it was like a dollar difference, if not exactly the same, depending on the retailer. So yeah, um, so, yeah. So I think that's that's and that's cool, and that'll mean also mean there's probably more ammo available too, rather than you know 100 boxes of Hornaday coming. There might be 100 boxes of Hornaday and 100 boxes of the Sarko. So yeah, hopefully it um, relieves the market a little bit, um, and it gives guys something else to try. Um, but just remember, you can't just change your ammo. We well, yes. can, but you'll it'll turn, it could turn to shit. It probably will turn to shit. Yeah, um, drop and velocity wise. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, no, no, but that, that's the thing. You can't. I mean, the amount of times I have guys come out to a course and they shoot through a box of ammo and then go, "Oh, I've got another box of ammo to try." And at this point, you're at 700 meters and they're about mm. to put in a different weight from a different brand. 
and just think they're going to carry on shooting. It's like, yeah. And, I, you know, you go through half the box just getting them back to where they were, which you can do yeah. as long as you can see the miss. You can see where what it's going on. I got a guy last week did it and got him to basically shoot into a bank so I could see where roughly the bullet was and then rough dialed and then back on target. But now half the box is gone again. So and it's like, yeah. well, what are you, are you going to go back to your old ammo? Do you want to shoot this now? What are you doing? Yeah, and you so, can, but as a side note of that, um, friend of mine runs one gun and he always buys three different types of ammunition, all from Hornaday, um, three different bullet weights, and he's just set up the offset in his Straylock Pro app. Yep. So it has an offset. So when he um, selects that ammunition option, it just offsets it. So there is ways around it if you are oh, yes. set on running multiple ammunitions. I don't think it's a good idea because you think you're running A and you've got data for B, um, whatever. Um, anyway, but yeah, it can it's, be it's done. A mani- yeah, it's a management thing. And that's the same you could. You can do you could do the offset. You know, it's probably an underutilized feature, but that could be suppressor on, suppressor off as well. For If you are forced to, like, I don't know, if Woodhill up in Auckland still force you to take your suppressor off, I hope not, but I probably... Did they not allow suppressors? They didn't when I got there in the ballot years ago. Yeah, you had to, as we were driving out there, they said, oh, don't forget you can't run your suppressors. And it's like, what? And I, I believe the concern was poachers, so they couldn't, the poachers, could, I don't know. Someone, I, I don't know. But of course, there's two... Anyway. It was a bit weird, but of course, the two of us, there's two, two of us who were heading out and we took our cans off, like, I don't think my gun's zeroed. Well, my gun isn't zeroed. If I don't know what my gun's going to do without a suppressor. Mm. And um, in my case, I dropped a, a doe and uh, hit it in the neck and it dropped like a sack of spuds and went up, but it was still kicking. So I went to finish it off um, rather close. And I suppose now in hindsight, it could also be mechanical offset. Now I actually think about this, but also I found out afterwards it was about, I went back to the, the um, range and, and shot and it actually moved significantly. It was like yeah. more than a couple of inches out. Mm. So, um, but so you could do that or the other thing, which I keep playing around with, but yeah, it's a management, it's a management issue is running the same scope on two different guns. You could yeah. in theory use the zero offset, to um, sort out, say, your like my AMG on my main rig, but then put it on my 22 as well because mm. I am not going to buy two AMGs. So, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, it means one gun, you're always going to have it offset. So, you know. Hmm. Yeah, which with, with the modern dialing scope hasn't the end of the world either. Like it could just be, like you say, one MOA up and two MOA left or yeah, you know, whatever. Well, um, but it's just remembering. And, yeah. I think logic like wind not a problem because I don't really die a lot of wind so I could just put it over lock it back done but I could see me shooting a stage especially if it was a 22 where I think logically I'd have to come up if I was main rig was that and then shooting 22 it's going to have to come up but I'm sure between stages I'd dial back down to zero like a good boy and then forget yeah so yeah especially with zero stop I just run it back yeah. down to zero <laughs> yep so we'll see yeah so that was good i i had a good day a uh, good week out i had um it was uh Swaro and um carbon lights and some nice guns out on on the uh tuesday yeah had a um six five six five creedmoor carbon light with an x5 on it Swaro x5 and cool. we were sh- shooting the 120 barns through that the sarco ammo again and mm. holy shit that was a laser yeah so 
um, shooting. And then also because it had the reticle in it, it was just a, one of those beautiful rigs that you just measure in your scope, dial, dial over, put another round. It goes exactly where you expected it to go and you were done. Took me three yeah. shots to zero this gun. And I was like, sweet. Um, Easy. But the, the client's thinking of also running varmint ammo through it as well. And that's where we were thinking of using the offset for him as well. Okay. The, well they do it like a 90 grain someone does, doesn't they? There's a Hornaday 90, 95 grain, but it didn't, it was fast, but it just didn't shoot that well out of the gun. The, um, yeah. the, the, the Barnes were 120s, the TTSXs, and they were, they were, like I say, keyholing, well, not keyholing, but they were so beautiful. Is, is that the copper? Yes, solids. Solids, ah, yes. So, so that's the, the, the lead free. Yeah. It's, exp it's expensive ammo, isn't it? I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wow. it, it, it will be interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I've actually dug one of them. I didn't bring it down. I've dug one out of the bank. Um, mm. So you can see hitting the dirt, it's only started to mushroom a bit. So I've said to the, the client, because we don't have a lot of experience with the solids for hunting down here in New Zealand, that next thing he needs to do is, yeah, go drop some animals, which he can do easily and get, get some to distance to see what the thing does, just to basically confirm that round will do what he thinks it does, which I'm sure it will. It's why it's, you know. Mm, that's so. an interesting. Uh, I've thought about, I looked at them in there, but I couldn't I couldn't spare $100 at the time. For a yeah. Box. But I actually, yeah, that could be something interesting to do is um, play around with some um, the, the modern solid hunting bullets. Um, well, it, just, it, it, just on small thin skin game anyway, what I've got access to. Yeah. It will be interesting because it's, I don't know. I mean, in America, you, you listen to, again, Meat Eater podcasts or other podcasts out of there where I'm not sure if they're, they're band led in some states or they're still some, pushing yeah, towards. California and such, do you? Yeah. So you do have to wonder whether another couple of years we might see that as a feed through effect, you know, like Steel Shop, you know, yeah. um, that it might be the thing that will become it. And I guess we just got to remember it's different. Like I've got um, one of Danny's. I think it's a cutting edge still for his 338, which is a solid machine. But that's, again, that's not a hunting round. That's going to laser yeah. through anything because it's just ouchy sharp anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they'll be designed for it. So, yeah, provided they, ex they expand and do the damage. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing about the the lead free thing at um, brass is it's so much lighter than lead. Mm. It's a 120 grain bullet has got the same bc i'm just throwing numbers it's like say a 140 because it's so it's long um, yeah the I, so the you've got B speed and bc yeah the no the bc on on these ones are slightly lower than say the 140 eldm okay a bit but it was doing 2810 i think versus like 2650 so yeah. you know it's it's With significantly similar BC, faster so it's, yeah yeah so the, the trouble, that's the trouble what i mean being, you want longer you need generally need faster twists to stabilize them because they're so much longer than a conventional um, yeah bullet. yeah but then faster which counters that yeah so yeah so i, I don't know it was it was interesting a different thing to try got to shoot that xlr uh, xtr3 a bit more and that's that's a great little scope um yeah had a had a ruger not a ranch the ruger ranch which are two to Predator. three get predator, predator. 
is like a, the tan one, all pla- plastic, fantastic. Very yeah. was using P mags, had P mags yeah. running on it, um, which was a very again nice, short, very handy sort of rifle. I guess because I had a couple of sarcos and some other nice guns next to it, it came across very agricultural. Mm-hmm. But then it's like a what a nine nine hundred thousand dollar gun at that I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I found them to be very accurate for what they yeah. are. Um, oh. Plenty accurate. It was just, I think, it's like cycling the bolt or everything. You're just like, yep, I'm going to work this because it's 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 not going to be quite as slick as the other guns. Yeah. But that's that's fine. It's, I think, like we've said before, it's just the more expensive guns aren't always going to mean that often often do, but not always mean that they're going to be more um, pr- precision, precise. I'm always get those ones accurate, precise. You know, grouping everything. Mm. But um, yeah, just the fit and finish, or the nice, the touchy feely bits will be just a bit different. So, yeah. but that's all right. Doesn't if you're also using it as a bush hack, what does it matter? Yeah, exactly. Or pest control, throwing it around the back of a four wheeler, getting covered yep. in mud. Maybe yep. a five thousand dollar gun that could be a bit hard to do, whereas a eight hundred dollar on sale Ruger. Um, and what's the saying? A, a ten thousand dollar rifle is no good if you're a five dollar shooter. Yeah. Something like that, you know, you still got to yep. know what you're doing. Anyway, um, anyway, what's our topic for tonight, Kerry? Lemons. 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 And um, lemons. So I, there's there's different ways of approaching it. And I, the problem is, I, which I'll, I, I put this out there to, in the group chat for us lads, and, and I was thinking, yeah, what's what's the, the, the worst purchase you've ever made? And not necessarily meaning the, uh, as I thought about it, not necessarily the most, like literally a lemon, like a, bad bit of equipment, bad bit of just didn't work, whatever it is, although I do have an example of that. Um, but also stuff that you've bought that just didn't do what you thought it was going to do or work the way you thought it was going to work. Because I, I think I've done more of that. Buying yeah, stuff that's, going... Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah, stuff I think was going to work a certain way and then when I actually got hands-on with it, it just didn't work or didn't fit into my workflow um, yeah. the way that I thought it would. Um or uh, yeah, or to to quote Nut and Fancy, which I actually did. You ever follow Nut and Fancy? Have you ever watched? No, it's a bit intense for me. He's pretty, he talks even more than us, which is yeah. astounding. But um, uh, to quote him, the philosophy of use uh, for them, you know, were how you thought you're going to use something, and it it just works out differently. Um, yeah. so yeah, I look, I um. In the early days of me running my site and doing stuff, a gentleman decided to send me a hat. And it was one of those early hats that had the LED on the front brim because mm-hmm. it was just, you know, we're going to combine your headlamp with a light on the front. And it was a camo hat with a light on the white light on the front, push the button on there, and it was, and it was cool. And I'm like, yeah, I'll send it up. That's not a problem. I, if I, I'll do so. And no one's probably ever heard me talk about it because – once I got it up, the other thing I found I had on the side, which is just to be to, I think the intention was to indicate when you're in the dark that you're a person out there is it had two red lights on either side up here that you could also turn on instead of the main light. And now you've got two red lights that would flash occasionally, mm-hmm. um, which is all good. Except first time I put it on, I had a course and there was a couple of hunters around. They're like, oh, yeah, cool. Two red lights. That just looks like a couple of eyes, like a possum or something staring straight at me in the dark. So I took that hat off and threw it away, and um, I, I don't think they're freely available anymore. I'll put it that way. So, yeah, yeah. Um, strapping a, uh, a couple of flashing lights, red red eyes on top of your head is, uh, was possibly not thought through the best of options. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen, I still see the odd person running the hat with the mm. really slim uh, LED light. Um, that's fine. Not, I have no problem yeah. with a light on the brim. I, that's not, no not, problem. Um, not flashing, but yeah, that's for sure. Although friend, a guy I used to, well, I still kick around with him, but older guy actually mentored me a lot in my younger days of getting into the firearms hobby. He he had a bloody um, uh, a push bike reflector attached to the back of his cap, just as mm-hmm. like a indicator in the bush. He always ran yeah. it for years. He's from hunter from down south. Um, just wouldn't want to be shot in the head, I guess. So he just ran this thing, which I didn't actually see an issue with. And look, I, I, I hope no one has ever shot at reflecting lights or anything like that either. Yeah. Uh, you'd hope, but but at the same time, yeah, you're just kind of like, oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but the, the problem was I, I put that post up and then I've been pondering because I know there's been polls that have over the years, but I actually then went, maybe I've blanked them out of my mind as to what the hell they were. I don't know. I think... I think one thing I've done is 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 related to reloading of of getting every single toy and trick and trying every single thing and then slowly just you know cutting down the amount of the stuff I do with the reloading whether it's neck turning or um, chamfering every single piece or you know doing the flash holes or overly mm. complicated ultrasonic cleaner I thought that's one that that I tried for a bit but never um, I probably did more damage nearly to a pistol. Um, and I did cleaning it up because I must have put some weird mixture in it and nearly tarnished the whole, you know, the whole thing came out and never looked the same again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Does anything anything particular stand out in your uh, in your conquest uh, or your in uh, selection gear? In a way, and I've talked about it before, and it's not so much the gear that was purchased. It was my expectation on what I could achieve with it with my limited skills. So my, my first true long-range gun was a, a Remington 700 long range and 300 wind mag. And it just it was too much gun for me. I didn't know how to reload. I did some weird mods, shit like that, you know? So like, it was just, I was always fighting it, but yeah, the X mark pro triggers that they had on them were an absolute bag yep. of wieners, but yep. uh, was yours, was yours a serial number that was recalled or was that? Uh, the... Yeah, it was meant to be recalled, but, um, the, You'd already butchered the, it at that point. No, no, no. But the shop, I, the big, the big brand store I purchased it off didn't really want to know about it. Ah, and or whether I chased it up in the right manner, I don't know. It was a few years back, but uh, so these things don't come with any thread on the barrel. Um, you know, it's three and one mags. It's got plenty of recoil. Uh, so just yeah, just a sort of a whole bunch of errors, and then I got a, a threaded by some flipping random dude who cut a shitty thread, which ended up opening up the end of the barrel because they oh. cut an incredibly small thread yeah, on yeah. a big barrel. Um, and they also cut the thread about this long, just oh. real. Yeah. It even came back with jaw marks on the barrel and they said there's no <laughs> way around that. And then you sort of learn, actually, there is. Anyway, anyway so but my, my own fault. Um, so I got that I got that cut off and recrowned all nice um, by professional. But anyway, but just, yeah, so me not, me expecting, and I still see this now, a lot of new shooters, or hunters anyway, me expecting... I could get a gun, shoot a thousand meters, easy as, um, and not realizing that without the sort of, well, I shouldn't have bought that caliber to be honest, but I could have, I needed someone to help me out and I didn't have anyone uh, mm-hmm. who was not in a similar place as me. So 
it, it was a lemon because I I was making the lemonade. I guess would yeah. be one way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just and like really, it was right at that um, the, when Creedmoor really kicked off, and the RPR was the big thing. And I should have just saved up another five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks and bought an RPR. Um, but also, I didn't have as much money back then. So like me spending <clears throat> at the time, I think the most I'd spent on a rifle was thirteen hundred bucks. So me forking out like eighteen hundred dollars for a Remington Long Range was like oh my god this mm. is freaking a lot of money um it still is a lot of money but you know and but yeah i should have i should have got i should have bought a ruger precision for my first gun a first precision um style rifle at the time there was next to no other sort of mm. those options it was still just ruger precision rifle but um, for some of the people newer into it, they really kicked it off and pushed yeah. the precision rifle being an every man's sport. Um, you could go and buy these things, two and a half grand or whatever they were, and slap a scope on it, put some good Hornaday ammo in it, and you were actually good to go. Whereas yeah. I went the complete wrong way. Um, <laughs> complete wrong. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, <laughs> yeah that's, that's probably my first lemon um, in the precision world anyway. Um, well, I mean, I nearly, like when I was looking at getting into pistol shooting, I nearly did a similar thing in that I was looking online and I wanted a pistol shooting and I, I was going to get a SIG because mm -hmm. uh, that's what the SEALs had and that was cool and I wanted a SIG. But um, in some ways, luckily, it was a pain to get hold of the particular one I wanted because it was just basically merchant retails which is they just were not very good. So as a result, I just looked a little bit more and then all the other lads... Um, uh, at the club just said, I'll oh, get a CZ Shadow, which was sort of the equivalent of the RPR. It was like what everyone was yep. shooting, everyone knew it, and they're like, just get it. We know it's going to shoot well. There's enough of them out there already that we know can support and everything, and then focus on your shooting. Don't worry about yep. that. It just rules a gun out. You don't have some slightly cool exotic gun. And then the next gun you get, go go get something that no one else has and that whatever. And that, like you say, that rings exactly true for precision rifle, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. The exact same thing. Like um, my friend of mine, you, you, the gun pops up on my um, page often. He's got a Gen One Ruger Precision Rifle in three hundred eight, and it's still—I mean, it's three hundred eight, so it's, it's it's got that, but it's still an incredibly um, competitive rifle, no matter what you do. Yeah, it runs smooth. It's accurate. It's got ten round detachable mags. Well, the you know. the the other thing is, I think wasn't. I'm right. Tirada last year was won by Christian and then Gary. Were the first and second, weren't they? Uh, possibly. I can't. Am I thinking the right? Anyway, I believe but, I believe you and I were way too far back in the points to even know who was in the top ten, Gary. I did a look, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Christian and um, yeah, well, I was actually just dumping ammo by the end. Anyway, um, I think Christian and Gary were first and second, I think, and they were both shooting 308s. You know, I mean, to be fair, it was MT, the M10s, the Psycho M10s, mm. running 308s, but they're 308s. You know, so I have a feeling. Christian might have had a six five SLR. What? He, re he rebarreled. Cheeky bastard. He rebarreled. He, he got a new barrel made for it. I could be wrong. I know he did. No, no, I know he did. I thought he was running the three hundred eight for the day though. I, I, maybe he did, but yeah. Who again, three hundred eight's not. If you're, if you're an experienced marksman, three hundred eight's not the end of the world. It's not this. It didn't just stop working. It's got, <laughs> you know, but and, and, and again, that 
yeah, six five is easier, but it's still there. It's still going to work. Um, oh, just a little okay. more wind, a little more elevation, etc. I, I think it's very easy to watch a, a competition and who wins a competition and then go, oh, well, they're shooting this cartridge, therefore that must be what I need to win the comp. But then you take a step back <laughs> and look at the shooter and go, well, actually, they're a really good shooter as well and could probably sh- hit it with, you know, that, that most rifles. To, you see the, so again, everything gets pointed back at America, but the PRS results, mm. what ammo is winning? Oh, the ATIPs are winning. Yeah, well, yeah, the, but these top guys are getting sent A tips. Make make my own mistake. They're given the A tips to shoot. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and some of them are, they, they get deals, they get kickbacks, yeah. paid. Who knows? Um, Jake Viver and all that. They're going to be making money, I imagine. It's a profession. Um, they'll they'll win with an ELDM. Yeah. Well, the reason they're getting the they're given the A tips is because they will win with an ERD or they have one with whatever it was so that they get given them. Yeah. It's not like they were down all the way down <laughs> in the file and then someone gave them an A tip and they started winning. They were given them because they're winning. That's how you yeah. sponsor endorse you generally sponsor and endorse the winners, not the Because believe it or not, these companies don't actually care about what we're doing. They just want to sell their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling people like the six five Creeble is only successful. It's all just marketing. I'm like, yeah, it's good marketing, but it really works too. Yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, everything's marketed. That's this heap of good stuff that never gets off the ground because no one knows what it is. Mar- um, marketing and supply. That's what I say, which ties into the marketing as well because you can market the crap out of something and then everyone gets excited then goes, where can I get it? The oh. 277 Sig Fury, prime example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they can pour all this money into all this fine stuff, but the yeah, but 6.5 was, yeah, it was not only Hornaday did a great job marketing it, but then they hooked up with everybody else so those factory rifles factory ammo factory you just go in and buy the stuff so which is funny now because similar things happen or happening with 6.5 prc but we've run out of next shipment must be due in or near but um yeah yeah. so so it's been a week or two it's been almost so successful that they've run out of ammo but it would be short term so it creates its own that creates its own you know, oh god, everyone's everyone's buying it because we've run out. We must need more, or we must. You're not wrong though, because when the PRC was announced two shot shows ago, the PRCs six yep. five and three hundred, classic Kiwis moaning about it, no experience with it, rowdy rowdy rowdy. In fact, some of the people who were heavy criticising this is junk, more marketing, have bought them because they're hypocrites. I know these guys anyway, but it it does work. I've shot, I've not shot three hundred PRC. Although I should have one within a week, mm-hmm. you heard it here first. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the six, the six five. I've, I've only shot it in the Mauser M eighteen. Um, yep, it's good. Uh, again, this is a hunting styled one, but with a reasonable barrel length, good speeds um, with the one forty sevens, and it worked pretty well. Again, we're only shooting um, feral goat, so it's not exactly a massive red stag, but. Um, yeah, they work from from, yeah. from my experience. We haven't done any long range um, steel shooting with them yet, but that will come up soon. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, they've, 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 I, that's this is where we're tangenting, tangenting like we always do. But I'm going to swing back round to the two two four Valkyrie. Right, they marketed the bejesus out of it. Like mm. it was everything you're seeing. They had all the. Um, uh, social media guys had guns previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is freaking sweet, dude. 
And then they had massive problems with the factory ammunition being out of spec, being being junk. And so everyone lost interest in it. And mm. it's now a sort of boutique cartridge. Now, we shoot it a bit. It's pretty cool. I like it. Um, now, the 6mm ARC, the ARC, again, these cartridges I'm talking about now are designed for an AR platform. That's not an option for us. Um, but anyway, but I, I think there is rumours going around that the Howard Mini is going to have a 6mm ARC. I said 6.5 ARC earlier. A 6mm ARC. I think with, again, that Hornady development of ammunition, um, chamber specs and everything, I actually think, obviously it'll be, I think it'll be relatively successful in America with um, semi-automatics, but I think yeah, yeah. It, it might work okay here in New Zealand and maybe Australia with the Howard Minis. Because um, as much as people told me, 6.5 Grendel's a waste of time, no one will buy it um, after all our guns got confiscated and we got our payouts. They couldn't keep things on the shelf. Mm. People were going, well, why would I buy a 223? I can buy this Grendel. It's got 500 extra foot-pounds of energy at the muzzle. It's ballistically superior in most ways, um, apart from, say, custom 223. And they sold. Heaps of people bought them. People liked them. I, did, I shot mine out to 1,000 metres with a relative degree of accuracy. Um, yeah, so generally if a Kiwi says it's not going to work, Cartridge wise, it's probably going to work. That's what I'll think. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like to sort of try to form my own opinion. So if these arcs come in and the Howard Mini, I will no doubt get one and I will do a bunch of shooting with it. I think <laughs> it'll do a 108 grain at 2,800 feet per second nearly or something out of a maybe 24 inch barrel. I'm not sure, but mm. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so in, anyway, I, yeah, I think. Like you say, it's marketing, but it's also there's a lot of time and and um, finances put into developing these cartridges before they're oh, released. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas with some other ones, they've fallen over because the marketing was there, but the, the product wasn't. Well, and it can and it can be things like again that supply chain where the, they have ammo, you know, manufacturing issues, which leaves a bad taste. A few people talk about it, and suddenly it's you know it's always the internet's great. You can kind of track back. A issue with a product and it all goes back to one particular review it's amazing sometimes i still see stuff people referring to a particular oh, 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 oh and you're like i know the exact video on youtube that you're talking yeah. about yeah and it's actually been discredited or it was a bit now coming obvious but they heard from somebody else that it, anyway so yeah i think that's um, back in i mean it's less now to a certain extent but people used to get their information that way through word of mouth or through oh, yeah. one gun magazine or through a magazine. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and like we talked about in the previous one, like they'll, they'll review a precision cartridge and a hunting application and they'll be like, this is rubbish. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a photo. I immediately thought of you. It was a dude and I, I don't use a term, but I'll use it for you. It was a FUD and he's in like <laughs> his, an old guy on a bench completely twisted around. He's got his, uh, that not the cheese cutter. What's like the Alma FUD hat. I mean, he mm. had the full everything, you know, big, big flannel shirt and everything. And it was like an RPR or a TAC A1, something like that, sitting there and they're talking about this newfangled gun. And he's, these, I'm just like, why are you, te it just does not make any sense. If, Unless you know, you know that what Elmer, what FUD is, is Elmer FUD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the Elmer FUD gun is a double barrel shotgun. Yeah. Oh my God. Everyone's like, it's 270. I'm like, no, it's a double barrel shotgun. It's Elmer FUD. 
Yeah. Initially, I love double barrel shotguns. Yeah, I know. Short, cut anyway, them short. And I, don't, and I don't like young people enjoying themselves. So maybe I am the fun. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. You are the fun. Plot twist, yeah. <laughs> I, and I do like 270. Mm. Shit, revelations. Oh, no. Sorry, mate. I'm it's glad getting, I could have. getting real and philosophical could, on the, I'm yeah. glad I could share this moment with you. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, I was actually just trying to think else, what else lemon wise, look, it wasn't a lemon and this is going to be a bit esoteric for people, I guess, cause I think I've got the only one in the world, but I got one of the early auto tricklers and then I wanted to be able to basically dial in. I don't know if guys know how the auto trick Blair's not on, but the auto tricklers work. Originally you had to throw up to a specific load set that load with it on the scales and then it would re-throw to the same load which was cool but the first one was kind of a pain and then if you wanted to change or you're doing um load development we wanted different weights it was actually a pain so i found i looked online and i was wanting a solution to this and i found a guy of a stateside who was making a andronio i think that's the right pronunciation for a box um the 3d printed box and all plugged in and everything and um I ordered one because it solved the problem I had. Um, but man, that was, it wasn't, it was a lemon or it was like a, um, you know, um, beta testers. Well, this was an alpha. I was the alpha tester. I don't think there was more than 10 of these things ever made, if that, throughout the world. So it was a constant battle. It was Bluetooth and getting my phone to talk to this. And in the end, I basically unplugged it, threw it away and went back to just throwing charges and trickling them up. So, um, that I would call that as a, whether a lemon or whether just trying to be on that bleeding edge and it just, you know, was not, I was probably just wanted something that worked. And now today the proper upgrade kit for the auto trickler turned up half an hour. Plugged in it, yeah. And it works yeah. beautifully. So. Yeah. Actually, I've got another lemon and this is mm-hmm. going to, people are going to go, of course. And, and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to bag the brand because I like the brand and I've got a lot of them. But my, <laughs> ver- for my first Vortex Optic, um so this 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 goes back to that same 300 win oh god now everyone's gonna be like oh they were bagging vortexes we're all no one wants to buy that i'm gonna buy a night force (laughs) yeah um so my first so i had to buy a scope for this thing right and um heaps of the people i was getting advice on at the time um who who then afterwards would will bag vortex even though they tell me to buy one because the internet um i bought a gen one 624 by 50 PST Gen 1, yeah, Viper, um, and paid my money. Was, I couldn't even before this imagine spending $1,500 or whatever it was on a scope. That just seemed like mental, you know. Um, anyway, bought it yeah, <laughs> with my workmate. He uh, also a shooter. We got the car back in our work vehicle, drove <laughs> to go home. He pulled this thing out, the brand new thing out of the box, twisted the elevation turret, and the turret fell off into his hand. <laughs> yeah man um at least it was here's a clear, me. clear-cut manufacturing warranty issue <laughs> yeah here's me like what the dickens you know i've just paid all this frip of money <laughs> and and then it was like so they've got a good warranty that undisputable but it was being in new zealand there's got to be stock for yours to be replaced that's and the it took, yeah it took about four months or something um yeah. for when you want to tune up so Yes, it broke, but they gave. But the beauty of it is, this was right at the transition to Gen Two. They gave me a Gen Two as a replacement, which was like an extra six hundred dollars to buy. Yep, because they didn't have any Gen Ones. 
So I actually got upgraded to the Gen 2 and I've had that for ever and it's probably had about 10,000 rounds of Cinefire under it and it still works a mint. So. It's, um, I say, try and say to people, it's not when a product, it's not whether or if a product fails because there's always anyone who's got anything to do with manufacturing, engineering or anything, they will just know that occasionally you have a failure. You know, it's just there is certain things will happen. So sucks if it happens to you but it may do but the important bit is how it's dealt with afterwards and even in new zealand i've had some great great examples i've had some great examples i've had some long examples but great examples of stuff getting fixed and it gets fixed i've had other things where i've heard some horrific horror stories from local stores and i won't mention them but i can you can you're in the industry long enough you hear one from every store this is the thing because the person's had a bad day the guy had a bad day himself they had a human interaction that didn't work and they you know so but I can nearly every brand, nearly every product at some point they'll have a failure and it's just how it's dealt with afterwards. It makes the the difference. That's, that's the thing, yeah. you know? So I've got a one lemon or a faulty and I won't, I won't, won't put brands in it because it, it just doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But I thought it was, it was quite of a funny one. So I was at a product night demonstration for a high end optic or a optics company and, and we had all the dealers and everything dealing and the guys had come over from overseas. So we had the two, the international, one of the head engineers and the, the head regional national sales manager, whatever it was. And they're showing all the scopes and there's a big education pitch and everything. And eventually it comes around to the high end ones. And that's where they're like, Kerry, there's the one, this is the one you want because this is the, the big, you know, tactical knobs and yeah. and everything. And so it's going around, everyone's looking through it, which, you know, looking at a high-end optic in the middle of a fluorescent lit room. I mean, what are you going to do anyway? So it goes around the whole room, gets to me. I look into it, look up again, turn around, rips over my shoulder and whisper to him, it's broken. He's like, what? I'm like, the fuck it. There's a dot. The reticle has fallen off. <laughs> and so the reticle would, I don't know what the term is, D, D, you know when a reticle it comes off the etching and, the, and it falls okay, yeah. and there's a bit floating around I'm like there's a there's a bit of the reticle is floating around i'm looking at yeah it's beautiful glass everything but it's this thing's broken and the guy he looks at it he goes fuck and basically goes behind his back and didn't get handed around so two interesting things one it'd gone around the whole room no one else had pointed this out so i don't know if anyone was being polite or i just didn't notice the speck sitting in the middle of the reticle but then afterwards the um the national sales guys there and, he, and i to his credit i just he picks the thing up he looks at it smacks it on the back of a chair like a cup bang hammering away with it had a look at it again and he's like yeah it's fucked and threw it away and he's like we'll <laughs> send you another one down so again they're just like yeah it's probably there's another one coming down there it just it happened but yeah it's top unfortunately it was top end demo no one else picked it this is the other thing yeah and then afterwards like yeah of course of course that one went down on you while you're looking at it i'm like yeah mm. so I um I heard I did you did you sorry tangent but did you hear um get to watch much of the um the modern day rifleman summit? Do you get many of those? Uh, a little on? bit. I didn't. I wasn't gonna. I'm I'm not a huge fan of paying a lot of money for media, but um I watched a bit as I could. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, a challenge. There was a lot of it. There's a lot. There's some. There was some great stuff in there. There was some stuff that again, you're talking to the sales rep. They're just they're doing a product presentation to be blunt. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, I, I okay, all right, ever. Anyway, so I forget his name, but one of the the guy who looks after the mill and LE department or side of things in Leopold, and he's talking about the guys hammering away on the scopes 
you know, where the guys bang the scope to show how robust and everything. He goes, well, remember in the old scopes you used to dial and then you'd tap on the side of it? Yeah. They're doing the same thing. So it's the same thing. So those taps, it's just releasing the springs and everything. If anything, it's bringing it back into proper alignment, not smacking it out of it. They're quite capable of doing it. And I, I thought, yeah, I've never seen it quite that presented it that way. <laughs> yeah, there's a, an old bloke I shoot with a lot who's from a military surplus background, but he wanted to like shooting. So he wanted to take advantage of coming shooting at my place and so on. Put himself together a rifle with a modern optic. We sort of went through and chose an optic for him. And he still, um, he'll dial and he'll tap it twice every time. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what we've always done. That's what you need to know. Probably doesn't matter that much now, mate. But, um, the funny thing about the nailing thing, um, I've got a six inch nail in the post at my, where you lie down <laughs> to shoot, you know, at the top of my range. Um, yeah, yeah. Just for those Night Force users who go, you can bang a nail in with it, but none of them have actually. No one's keen to actually do it. That's, that's funny, that, eh? No, it's yeah. really, really bizarre. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's just... <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And, and that's the same thing. No, but I never would. I, I don't, you know... I, yeah, okay, we'll test it with something we wouldn't ever do. But I, but I'm saying that, like, the, the big vortex, my Razor, my AMG, what I don't have a problem doing is picking the gun up by the scope, and it's uh, it's had bits yeah. of bark and stuff whacked onto the side of it, as any of those scopes of that quality should be able to do. So, yep, yeah, you should be able to pick it up piece of piss. Yep, Agreed. decent mounts. I, I should say. Also, yeah, no, that's a that's a big thing too. I I, I guess we, we talk about it with um, five thousand dollar rig and a sixty dollar bipod, but it is also thing as rings. Um, you, you get yeah. a a, bi- a, a an optic that can spend the money two grand, three grand, whatever, for impeccable tracking, um, repeatability, reliability. I mean, you put them in a a set of air gun rings that are probably intended for an air gun or they're off mm. wish, you know, they're 30 bucks. And, um, yeah, I mean, good. You can get some real nice MDT or tire one rings. They're not that expensive. I mean, your spurs 450 bucks and they're cool. So, so is the I mean, tier ones. I was going to say, so is my tier ones, but yeah, what's it going on? What, what is it? It's, it, it's your link between your optics and your rifle. It's mm. like it's the connection between these two bits of equipment. Why it's I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm big on analogies, but I try and I don't know. Is it like putting shitty tires on your performance car? I don't know. Maybe connection to or car shitty road. shitty rims. Shitty rims. The there you go. Yeah, yeah, and some yeah, beautiful or, beautiful tires. Or, or like cheap aluminium rim. Yeah. It, I again, it's. I mean, I guess people can see it as one of those areas. You like I've dropped a lot of money. Mrs. is angry at me. Yeah, I need some rings. Fuck it, I'll just get some of these cheap, nasty ones. Um, or guys using like, so they'll have a thirty millimeter tube, which is a reasonable size tube, well, probably not by today's standards, but they'll run like a, a set of rings with like a single cross bolt, and then maybe only uh, one um, cap screw on either side. It's like you really need a bit more, especially if you're running a Magnum or even just a three hundred eight. Um, parent cartridge like 6.5 Creedmoor or whatever it's still recoil um, so you need that clamping force to be even and so if, if you're clamping on just two bolts you haven't put way more torque on these small um, cap screws so if you can have say three on either side you can get a lot more clamping force even clamping force over a larger area think of it like a snowshoe you know if you stand in the snow you sink in but if you have a tennis racket on your foot you don't sink in 
think about that with force if you spread the yep. force over a bigger area it's going to be better um yeah interesting i don't think we'll be talking about rings tonight that's right here's, um, here's one for you he, to send, he, he, send you some rings it's, sorry carry on a spur, carry on no, a spur if anyone oh, wants right. to millimeter um so oh, the the 6.5 creedmoor the parent case mm -hmm. is the 30 tc 0.30 tc which i believe is based on the 308 anyway really okay rabbit rabbit i'm wrong hang on i i'm done doing a google here's my google it's food. just like modern shouldered 308 in it tc <sighs> oh there you go so it's a 308 winchester case with a sharpened 30 degree corner yeah. ah sorry so imagine it's just easier to form this creedmoor shoulder off the already formed so it's like modern it's like it's like 30 creedmoor so yeah, it's creed, it yeah okay so right there now there, there we go it's so but how many 30 creedmoor i mean the okay <laughs> the 30 thompson TC. center yeah i mean how much of that would it be around <laughs> no bugger all it'd be a, yeah i don't imagine it is it a bench rest round what's it useful uh through light magnum technology oh light magnum technology uh had less powder capacity than the 308 but due to the utilization of light magnum technology previously what the hell does that mean less powder but it's a light magnum so i just had a 30 degree shoulder anyway yeah so it's just a 308 improved really so it's a yeah so the parent case of a 65 creedmoor is a 308 improved yeah <laughs> so it's 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 dad's the 30 tc and it's granddad yeah granddad was the 308 okay hence what you can form brass out of a 308 <laughs> true um, i did see something the other day about a seven millimeter creedmoor which i mean same thing it's it's seven millimeter eight with a modern shoulder isn't it um uh yeah well and and what was it a 22 creedmoor as well it's been kicking around i don't know if that's ever i, yeah, I know 20. 25 creedmoor 25 just, yeah so the, i think um uh ultimate reloader youtube do you watch him yep yeah i think he he just put on his instagram he's doing a 25 creedmoor he just built the gun so no doubt you see that on his thing um i don't know i don't have I time think, to keep up with everybody on youtube Jesus. yeah i think the um a seven mil a modern seven millimeter option will be cool mm. They said millimeter 08 is, is okay, but you imagine it just hotted up a little bit with a like a good Hornaday factory match grade ammo. Yeah, that could be quite a um interesting precision rifle cartridge actually. Bridge that gap between six fives and 308s. Although they're going lighter or smaller, but sorry, yeah, um, call it a crossover cartridge. Yeah, rather. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but you see, the mill's got a lot of good bullet um select a huge yes. selection so. yeah yeah so yeah um yeah i don't know i started asking that question I, I know i don't know i mean this is the thing i'm also i'm also very hesitant i'm always very hesitant to just bag products right and i suppose mm -hmm. i should make it clear at the point even though this is even companies that i don't i don't have a financial like they haven't i'm not paid by them not to bag or anything like that but it's more the fact that I know that often you do enough of it and if you do warranty claims or you do stuff that breaks, it's always hard to tell because you always hear the the horror stories, not the thousands of stories of stuff that's 
you don't have any issues with and yeah. that's the that's the power of the internet as well so again it's like there's plenty of scopes i've seen which have gone down there's plenty of um bipod different bipods that have broken guns that just don't shoot you know i mean if there's a brand i've probably had one that shoots like a laser and one that shoots like shit and mm. then it's also is it a setup is it an ambit you fix something or something's binding and it fixes as well but the guy hadn't thought about it so yes yeah also to, to add to that i know it's another one is if, if one say scope if they sell 10 times more than the other brand yep yes you're going to have more warranty claims yep you can have 10 you can have 10 times 10 times in theory claims. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's you've got to factor that into things also um i think the best way to learn is to i mean there's obviously there's things we know just don't work um like there's consensus that things don't work but um i met mentioned vortex earlier mine broke uh they got replaced it's been fantastic i've got a bunch of vortex scopes i like them um i've never had an issue since um so yeah Try form your own opinions. This is the modern day of the internet, sort of. I think that's you the could trick. find someone bagging anything. Yeah, well, if you and this is, I heard someone recently. If you do a search for why does this product suck, you will probably find this is how a search engine works. By the way, people, if you do a search for what is wrong with my product, you will find a pile of results that tell you exactly what's wrong with my product. If you do a search for how awesome is my product, you will get a pile of articles that tell you how awesome your product are. And, you know, I hear people talk, oh, you do search on the internet and you find all these issues with it. So that's because you're searching for issues. Yeah. It's funnily enough, search engines actually reply. And funnily enough, you'll find the forum posts where people have an issue, everyone chimes in, will get more traction than a guy just going, oh, actually, I've had no problems with this at all. And I'm not actually here at all because I'm out shooting it, not complaining about it online. <laughs> yeah. So, as, as we as we rant as, as we, we rant, rant on the internet, <laughs> God, people on the internet are stupid. Not like us, though. Fuck those people on the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then I was going to say I spent too much time listening to people on the internet's opinions as well. That's been the other. But no, I don't know if a downfall. I think, I think you just have to go through it all and and take it all with a grain of salt and try and find the commonality between all of it if you've got 10 different people who are saying very similar things then there's probably some element of truth to it where if there's one person who seems to be the exact opposite to everybody else he's either an absolute genius revolutionary that will be caught up in 10 years time or he's going against the grain and there might actually be an issue there so and another a good thing is if you so a lot of people go to these um, either forums or forum type groups on Facebook for advice. Um, Bloody Facebook worst place groups. in the world if you who, who would run it? I mean, come on. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but as in like as in groups. Um, yes. Yeah. And a good thing to ask people because they'll they'll bag what you what you you go listen. Will this work for me? And they'll bag it. You go. I like to ask. Do you have any experience with it? And if yep. they say no, unless they are like. Frank Gowley, just ignore the cunts. Sorry, the people. Because <laughs> um, it's just, I get you've just got, you've just, got you've just got our Facebook page flagged. Been, Thanks. Thanks for that. We've been demonetized. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, and, and like, and, and to be honest, the worst, here's another piece of advice. If you're looking for caliber selection, don't ask anyone <laughs> on the internet. Oh, my God. Like you see on any, any, I've, I've moved my social media efforts away from groups, you may have noticed, to my public page. 
Um, but if you go on and go, hey, I want to buy a seven millimeter 08 or a 308 or a 65, whatever, you'll just get guys, you'll get an answer, 270, 30-06, 338. You'll just get these single word answers. Well, that's where I come in. And I, I po- I po- that's what I come in. I post and I go, you should buy whatever I have in my safe right now. Because they're just justifying their purchase, which is, that's basic human psych. I get it. You want to justify whatever you purchased or decided was the best choice. Of course you do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just like, yeah. well, and you should buy whatever nature. I have. Of course it is. Yeah. It's like I bought this gun and it probably isn't that good, but I'm too embarrassed to admit I made a mistake. Yeah. Um, it's the best thing ever. So um, if you want to hunt in New Zealand, a 308 will do it, a 65 Cream will do it, a 270 will do it, 708, 30-06. The list is freaking massive. Yeah. Um, and it's just what you're comfortable with, what you can get ammunition with, um, and also what, what you're hunting. What, what you can shoot is probably, and how you can shoot is probably the, so the little we're, factor. We're, I'm seeing a trend in New Zealand slowly start. Obviously, it's happened in America, but of, of 65 Creedmoor becoming more popular for hunting. Yeah. Um, I've hunted with it. I've got an article on your website about hunting with it. Um, it works. Now, I was only shooting light skin game. Um, okay. Well, they have shot a red with 6.5 Creedmoor. <laughs> Keeping inside what I think... It, it must have surely just bounced off its hide or something, though, Graham. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was 70 <laughs> metres. I shot it with standing, <laughs> though. Um, but, so, you know, I, when I hunt with these... So I'm keeping inside my own self-imposed limits. Yeah. Um, you know, the wind was good. Um, I'm, I'm confident in the ballistics, my external ballistics. I'm pretty confident in the terminal ballistics of the projectile I'm using. Because um, really, all your cartridge, your case, the gun, the scope, the case, the powder, they're just a way of delivering a bullet, right? Yeah. Then your bullet's flying through the air, so then you've got to know what it does. And, and certainly bigger bullet going faster is going to have more impact, more kill, but can you shoot accurately with it? Can you lug it around the hills? Can you afford to shoot it? Can you get ammunition for it? There's a whole litany of things you need to consider. So I think the 6.5 and it, a lot of people, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't shoot with that. Oh, my freaking God. But then they'll advocate using a 6.555, which most factory ammo for 6.555 is more anemic yeah. than 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. Um, again, older design, not as efficient. Yes, you could hot it up a little bit more, not a lot more. It's not even that much more. Um, but the factory ammo is loaded to be shot in. 120 year old Mausers as well mm. as modern Tikas. So it's, it's, it's not particularly high pressure. So it's slower in my experience. Um, so some reason one's okay and the other one's not. Well, the, that's it. The, the projectile, once it leaves the barrel, is the same projectile. It's a function of that projectile and the speed. It's just like, and the animal doesn't care what brand of gun or what cartridges came out of, whatever that, that got hit by the same bullet. And I think it was Danny up here many years ago having a, a late night on the whiskeys actually explained. He said, everyone builds their guns wrong. They all start from sort of the gun forward. He's like, you need to start from the bullet backwards. And he was always like, you find the mm. bullet you want to shoot, find the cartridge or caliber, uh, sorry, the, sorry, not cartridge, find the, the bullet you want to shoot, which will indicate kind of the caliber that you want, possibly a cartridge, which was in the barrel, the action, trigger and it's like the stock and everything like that is just the dressing that's the last part of it it all needs to be based around that bullet whereas if you're choosing the gun and then the cartridges are, yeah 
And that was, I've always thought that was quite good. It's like figure out what it is that you need to hit the animal with to do that. And then backwards, you can you can figure that out afterwards or target, whatever it is I you're trying to achieve. That, that especially rings true for hunting. Like obviously, yeah. if you're buying a 6.5 Cree mortar and factory ammunition, okay, that doesn't really matter, that, that um, philosophy of doing things. But like you say, if you're hunting, especially medium range hunting or, or longer range hunting, which I'm not huge on, what I call long range hunting, but that's my own ideas on what should be done. So that's just me. But like you say, you should be choosing a bullet that's going to expand at distance, um, can get there accurately, buck the wind, etc., cetera, um, and put the game down humanely. Um, so yeah, building the rifle backwards from the bullet, I kind of like that. That's, um, well, that, that's how again, m- you've, got to be able to, you've got to be able to buy the gun to suit the bullet too, without maybe spending two grand on a custom gun. And also now these days with the, the the chassis and the influx of all the different chassis and the adjustability of the chassis, things are different because you, you will buy a certain gun because of the adjustability or, sorry, a, a stock or chassis because of the adjustability. But that's how, yeah. like, a, I saw uh, old mate of mine build a 30-odd-6 as a 1K plus gun. And that was because there was a particular projectile he liked the BC of, wanted the build of it, and realized that the best cartridge, he was reloading, and he built a 30-odd-6. Mm-hmm. It was in a... If it was a KRG or an XLR. I mean, it looked like a modern chassis gun, and you would have looked at it, and then you read the side of the barrel. It says thirty odd, and you're like, "Oh, that's funny." But that was we, yeah. we went out shooting with it. He was it was a hammer at a K plus, you know, regular hits. Yeah. And but he'd done exactly that. He decided on the projectile, and then figured out, "Oh, you know what? This cartridge will actually set that send that projectile at the velocity I want, and um, give me the results I want." And then built the gun around it. So, you know. Yeah, you don't see a lot of 30-06 in modern firearms like I guess you used to. You see it still in military, American mm. military stuff and, and wherever they sent foreign aid to. But um, I guess it is a good, again, my experience with it is very limited to some basic hunting guns, but it is a good bridge between that 308 and that 300 Winchester Magnum because they are yeah. significantly different to shoot. Yeah. Um, like shooting an unbraked 308 that's maybe not too lightweight isn't the end of the world. But a lightweight 300 wind mag with no suppressor brake is a big, sharp, you know, impact on your shoulder recall-wise. Yeah. Had one last week. Got it zeroed, put it back in the bag and went, I'm sure it was lovely. Don't want to shoot it anymore, though, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because yeah. if I'm zeroing it for somebody else, are they telling me they didn't want to zero it or couldn't zero it or we were able to? It's just like, you know, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I don't think. I'm gonna get like hashtag, hashtag recoil pussies or something. I don't know, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I don't think it's a bad thing though, because a lot of recoil all the time, especially on newer shooters, will develop a flinch. Um, then, yeah, I don't think whether, I don't whether think they it's whether they admit it or not. I think that's the big thing. They won't admit it, you know. So, yeah. I was listening to there was a um, uh, sniper's hide podcast, Frank, um, and he had Philip Vallejo on there. I don't. Know if, I think it's the last one they did. I think, or a pretty, pretty recent one. And they were talking about long range because Vallejo's been out. Um, he was shooting. He went to get beer. Didn't get a beer because you don't always get an animal when you go out hunting. Surprising. Guys need to realise this. You don't always do it, um, particularly in in public blocks. Um, but they were talking about their self-imposed limits as well. 
Um, and the and you know they both kind of said this like we'll shoot a you know Philip I forget the distance and it's further than I'd shoot but then I'm not Philip Vallejo so it's you know yeah. um, that's the thing yeah those guys are really good <laughs> when they set the limits on game so. and, and it's shorter than people here will be shooting at and but the other thing he said and that's on a perfectly flat day that's like when the mm. wind is just like consistent I can read it I've got 100% you know confidence. And he's like, most of the time, I don't have that in hunting to those distances, so I won't do it. Um, And I say to guys coming out on a course or shooting is that a lot of the guys I know who shoot comps or shoot a lot probably have shorter limits as to what they would ethically, they feel they would ethically shoot an animal to than guys who are out hunting and shoot a couple of times a year at these things. Yeah, that's true. I I sort of try, and I don't stick to it with an iron rule. I try to stay under 500. I like to be in that 400 range because I'm, I'm pretty confident at 400 metres with most things. Yeah. Uh, environmentals depending. You know, if it's a mental wind, it's like, nah, I, I'm, I can't figure this wind out. Yeah. If it's just a your basic normal winds, 400 is pretty easy, I find. Um, but again, this is like a gentle, like me prone, comfy, yeah. not yeah. a compromised position. Um, I do push out to maybe five sometimes and i have shot further but i'm really trying to um hold myself to that 500 meter in good conditions and this is and and with obviously an appropriate caliber knowing that my energy is going to be sufficient Mm. to kill the game um because yeah it's like oh 900 meters is like yeah i could probably hit that and it's like yeah but then if i hit it in the back hips and it's running around with a i've got to go find the thing i'm nearly a kilometer away and either I'm going to have to hoon over there on a motorbike, which makes noise, so it's going to move away, or I'm going to walk over there. It's going to take me an hour or two, depending on terrain. Three, four hours. If you, what is it? Distance gives time and opportunity. So yeah. if you're at 900 meters, you could probably get to 300 meters, four hundred, depending on if you're in the Alps. Okay, maybe you might have a ravine. You have to shoot at 500 across, whatever. But if you've got time, move up. That, that's how I see it anyway. Again, there's no rules. There's no, no rules. No, no. I, I, we, we're, back on, we're back on David, David's topic. So I, I saw we need to get him actually on to actually like be involved in this topic. David, wherever you are, if you're listening, um, about the long range hunting. But yeah, it was the same thing. It came up. It's like, if you can get closer, get closer. Yeah. That's hunting. <laughs> if you can get closer and it's an easier shot, then that's hunting. If you're staying back deliberately so you can say that you're shooting further, that's target shooting. Mm. there's the yep. which is which may also be fine as long as you actually nail the thing but make no mistake it's just like if you can get closer by simply stalking forward do it what what yeah. what is the apart from the the bragging rights of being able to say that you shot this thing further just you know make the figure up if you really want to just say you shot it at 600 <laughs> and go and that's, go shoot it at 200 the internet yeah. yeah i don't I'll, care in fact i prefer you do that than then wing an animal at 600 it's just like whatever I was so, watching uh, that were hunting blacktail deer. Blacktail? Anyway, tail? And somewhere in Black, yeah. blacktail seeker deer, seeker deer. Anyway, something in America. And I'm, they they shot one. I'm fact-checking you now. Yeah. And a channel's called like Born and, Born and Raised. Yep. It's a new video. Anyway, but they shot the second, was a mule deer maybe? No, sorry. The second. Yes, yeah, so, subspecies of mule deer. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, yep. it was... 600 odd meters it, it was 900 they closed it to six i believe and they put a lot of effort in to do that to give them some props 
the shooter wasn't he was a bow hunter hadn't shot with a rifle on a deer in 20 odd years and they figured a wind call this thing finally stood up he shot and it hit it in the head right because it had its head level with its chest grazing um you know so that moved his shot so probably because i quite a big deer probably moved it you know yeah a foot and a half further up the animal than he intended so if that wind was going the other way it probably would have put it in its rear hips but yep. he's just lucky it hit it in the head albeit on a trophy animal so it was a bit wiggly the antlers but that's just goes to show and that's and a but, long way but the interesting thing is by doing that and then everyone would have because i shot it in the head everyone would be going yeah good shot you managed to get it in the head it's like no you missed by about half a meter if you actually <laughs> yeah. want to look at it, it some of the things I saw, like which I might have mentioned last week, same thing, guys. So, so I put the second hashi mark on my reticle on its neck, uh, no, on its shoulder blade, and I got a good solid neck shot. Mm. I was like, well, what do you mean by second hashi mark? But okay, all right. But no, you've missed by this much. It's just that you went, luckily the wind blew you in the right, because yeah. exactly the other direction, maybe spine, depending on height, or down into the gut sack. So, but everyone's like, oh, wicked shot, man. You're a sniper. You're, you know, slaying, slaying slayer. I'm like, going to, I'm going to throw myself into this. There's a video back on my public page, me doing some goat culling, pest control. I think it might be bang on 500 meters. <laughs> Seven mil remag, so it's got ample energy, right? Um, for 500 meters on a goat. Yeah. It's all videoed on the animal and on me. I take the shot, and as I take the shot, because I think I play it in slow motion, the goat takes a step forward. My bullet has been blown by some wind I didn't see, because mm. down this big gully, and it you can watch it. You can sort of see the trace. You see the goat step forward, and it hits it right in the dome. Like, perfect dome shot. Yep. And everyone's like, wicked. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, I was meant to hit it. Yeah, it's not where I was aiming. Lungs, man. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fuck up. That, I could have blown its jaw off. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, how do I get over there? Because this is a real, it's the one area on the farm with heaps of goats because it's really hard to get to. So they like us to go in there and, um, and clear them out as best we can. But um, yeah, same thing. Wicked, like you said, that's a real good shot. It's like, no, it wasn't. I made a mistake. Yeah. And, and it wasn't a good shot. I just got really lucky. Um, well, I saw uh, how we, somewhere we'll get back to lemons at some point. But I saw a guy. I was at the um, one of the deer stalkers ranges, and they had a new guy uh, turn up uh, first day shooting, sorting his rifle out to go for a hunt, and he had been sold a S iron sighted SKS as his first hunting rifle. Which is an Wait, in, yes, first hunting rifle. it's an interesting choice. Ones. That's that's certainly what I would have been going for. You know, if I was a young guy came in and was looking for a hunting rifle, yes, have an SKS. Anyway, so I did that, lined it up, um, prone shot, shot it, and uh, they had the, this is when Henny's targets. They had the the silhouette targets and everything up so that yep. they could see where they're hitting it on the animal, which is they're great. They're actually great targets yeah. because they don't I like highlight. Them. They're good targets. Can't highlight. It's it's realistic target, you know. Um, but he shot and and again dome shot the thing, and the the guys there he's like that was a fantastic shot, and the guys like oh, I was hoping for the shoulders. Oh, it doesn't matter, mate. That was a fantastic shot. It's like no, he's just missed it by this much. It's yeah. like. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> lemons. I I I I was a big fan of. Speaking of lemons, SKS. I was a big fan of SKS <laughs> rifles. I had several. Um, because because when I first got into firearms and I was a teenager, they were coming in in huge numbers. Shot sure. two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars. Yeah. And I went to buy another one 
from the big retailer selling them. They were at the field days at the time. This was wild. I used to be able to buy guns at the field days. Um, you'd buy it, then they'd ship it to your house for you. Yep. And I went, they had a bit of trailer, and I went in there, and there's this old bloke, and I was like, I want to buy an SKS. He's like, all right, come on, we go down there. And he takes me to the, <laughs> come the, come the, 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 the Narinko Bush Rangers. I don't know if you recall, they, a bunch come in, and they're like seconds. They had like rust on the barrel, so they're selling them cheaper and stuff. And they were bolt action 76239. And he's like, this is this here you go. And I was like, no, no, I want an SKS. Yeah. This is an SKS. I was like, no, it's not an SKS. <laughs> he's like, I'm telling you, it's an SKS. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to leave. I didn't even know a lot about guns then. And I was just like, still new. whether he was like, this young buck, I've got to I've got to move these bloody bush things, these ranges on. <laughs> yeah. I remember that forever. But yeah, and I'm. Um, so I think I just rang up their, 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 their headquarters and they sent me one anyway on the same deal. But um, yeah, you used to be able to buy guns at field days. Not anymore. The, uh, oh, those were the days. I don't, I don't know if you've ever talked about it, but I, I put a post up once. I did the one the one year where they had um, firearms at Big Boys Toys. Yeah, I remember you put a yeah, post up. And I'll tell you what, that was a very interesting experience. I don't think it'll ever happen again. And that's why I kind of put my hand up to be because um, Joel at Steger decided to have a booth there, which was pretty ballsy. And mm. it was also obviously a pretty good sell, I think, for him to actually get it there as well. But it was it was eye opening just for um, seeing the general public who didn't really know anything about guns, genuine really didn't know, and but, but how much genuine interest there was as well, even though it was scary as hell sometimes because of the handling skills that were going on when you kind of let here's a real shock, here's a real rifle, yes you can pick it up, here's some real basic rules and everything and these people mm. had them, but they were really interested. We didn't really get any like major negative, got none. I, we had no one coming yeah. up picketing the stand or anything with it. I didn't want to come in whether you self-selected a bit by being a big boy's toys. I don't know. But generally, there's people like, I've never seen a real gun. There was a lot of that. But that's for me, that's odd in New Zealand. Even, I mean, obviously, I'm from a more rural part of New Zealand. I mean, we still I, have towns. Yeah. We grew my era, we grew up with small, small bore rifle shooting being, and it still is promoted here at schools, I think. But it was kind of normal. So most kids shot a bit, at least tried small bore. Uh, we used to have the army come to school quite yep. free, maybe once every couple of years. They'd turn up and I remember them coming to high school in the labs and they had they had the firearms, albeit all safe. Yeah. Um, so you see, well, but again, but again, we're rural. Why they had a yellow yellow flag at the end of the barrel? Oh, I don't I don't remember, <laughs> but I just remember being like cool, man. Okay. Um, I mean the I mean there's their um. Their, their vehicles have got 20 millimeter auto cannons on them, don't they? But and then obviously, being growing up in the country, a firearm was a more of a tool than a recreational hobby. Like yep. it was like this is for pest control, as in like non hobby pest control, um, like I do, or um, a cow's got a broken leg, etc. Yeah, you have to go and do that. Um, yeah, but but then again, to be honest, I never had a lot of time around like guns weren't particularly normal like i'd rabbit hunt with my granddad but it wasn't like i was like there's no way i could find where the gun was or anything yeah. like that like firearms weren't normal they were just something that was on the farm to put it that way um but i imagine being growing up in town you didn't see much of any of them apart from movies Nothing. do you no nope. yeah. no not at there's, all there's I mean, no but they're not a tool in town are they apart from say, no well but but this is uh where is it 
but then now there's so that's me as a i don't know how old i am i'm probably secondary school or something shooting a slug gun in the backyard mm. right which i wouldn't be doing these days that's another little thing now this is in the middle of mangaree mangaree east where i grew up and we had a backyard and we're shooting across the backyard into it we had a big bird you know boom everything's safe and everything but well, i don't know when did the original batman movie come out if anyone can there you go that kind of dates that for you um so you know but no i mean i didn't know 22s and we were i was the sort of the first generation of the family off the farms whereas the old man had you know he he was on a dairy went out of school onto a dairy farm mum grew up in Mutterangi on a farm so yeah. for them again tools very normal but it, yeah it's interesting now there's no there is for a lot of metro which to be blunt is now a big whack of the population being auckland wellington christchurch is a crossover but it's certainly auckland wellington um yeah. yeah there's no reference but but then although i suppose again you're selecting the group of people that are coming in when i'm doing firearms licensing courses i always ask who's shot a gun who's had some interaction with a gun and normally 95 99 of the people have but they're also getting firearms license. So they've either shot on a farm, family, shot overseas, um, you know, guys coming over from South Africa, getting the licenses. So they've been shooting all their life as well. But yeah. I'll have one or two people who are doing their firearms license who have never shot a gun or handled a gun in their life before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I mean, I have I have plenty of interesting conversations up here about firearms and you just kind of have to approach them. I think it was... Um, Again, um, I think uh, Philip Vallejo did a post recently because he was wearing his modern-day sniper shirt and got um, asked in a cafe or something, what is a modern-day sniper? And I, I've never seen the stateside guys have something I get quite regularly, which is like, you know, if I drive my truck around, which has got some shooting stuff or something, they, you know, what do you do for a living? Guns, basically. Mm. Everything I do is gun-related, majority of it these days, with at picking up my kids or something you know so but I, I generally find after five minutes people don't realize i'm a multi-headed monster and and it's and they're actually kind of interested because oh actually my my uncle or my grandfather had a gun or we used to go down to the farm and shoot so yeah. it's normally only one generation or one step removed from somewhere so definitely well they still did um until the 60s um where I went to high school, they still did um, cadet rifle training yep. down the back of that school, including yep. Bren guns. <laughs> like, so there's 13, so, 20 on, because I worked with one who went to the school, a guy, and he <laughs> shot Bren guns there. Like, how sick is that? Like, So so apparently, so when I, when I was at De La Salle College, which is in uh, Mangaree East, up the road from us was King's College. King's College was the fancy private school and everything. And I mm. bumped into a guy recently who was at King's College. He would have been a generation before me i think and he can still recall the army coming down and bringing mortars down and mm. doing a mortar demonstration on the back paddock of just the shooting inert, shooting inert mortars what I like, what <laughs> i mean but i mean like i said about the army coming to visit us when i was at high school um it's it's recruitment isn't it it's of course it is some of these yeah, yeah. young men and women um Here's a career choice because there is a, a very good a career choice joining our defence force, um, and so I guess it was the same back then, wasn't it? Like, mm. come, you'll learn this, you'll get cut, play these cool things, <laughs> but you'll also do, you'll do a trade, and you might have to go and fight the Russians, maybe <laughs> back then. Um, 
yeah, so again, it's all um, tricking the kids into joining the army, I guess. I suppose so. I, I don't know. It's just interesting. And it, it's something I am very aware of being up here in Auckland as well. It's just, uh, yeah, you're talking to people and just to frame a reference, which is then funny because everything else I deal with is in this, like, this little bubble of it. And then I step outside of it outside the front door. I'm like, oh, no, I'm in Auckland. So yeah. <laughs> I actually get asked reasonably regularly because people at work, obviously, people find out I'm, I do this stuff. And in one form or another, how how far into it they know I get, but they go, oh, so you are ex-military? Mm. No, 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 I've never been in the military. I've I've just done engineering my whole life. Well, how do you know how to do some of this stuff? I'm like, well, learn it, I guess, or study, or get taught, or whatever. Um, yeah, it seems to baffle some people, especially like the long-range shooting, because they're like, oh, that's just something you'd learn in the military. So no, not really. Um, most of the long-range is dri- driven by the civilians. And yep. then military adopt, but yeah, I found it bizarre. And then I even went to the point of saying, actually, the, the defence force send shooters to our events. Um, it's a bit backwards, I guess, but um, yeah, just people assume you've had. It's not just a hobby; it was a, a job or something. Yeah. Well, then, then the counter assumption is that people in the army are actually gun people. Well, and I've met many, many guys in the army. Yeah, who yeah, meet, they're not gun guys. So if, uh, they were in there because they needed it. They wanted a job or they wanted a skill and they came part of it, yeah. but they yep, yep. So if, uh, if a guy I did a bit of shooting with, he is a, lack of a better word, sniper. Um, he said he went with some of the infantry, hey, I'll teach you about ballistics, about your five, five, six rounds. Hmm. And he said they were like, listen, we just want to know what hash mark to put on at what metres. We yep. don't care. 500 yep. metres, it's this line. Boom, 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 boom. Suppressing fire heat. He thought they might be interested in learning ballistic coefficients and muzzle velocities and energy. Mm. Nah, don't care. Yep. Just to something you squirt across the range. Whereas he, him being a, a, a bit more involved in ballistics, he's real keen on learning this and improving yeah. things and getting better. Hence why they come to um, the practical events now. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you, you made a good point. People assume they're in the guns. Uh, a guy I work with, he was an armorer attached to the SAS during the early days in Afghanistan. Knows how to fix all the guns, has no interest in them. Mm. I talked to him about them. He's like, yeah, I enjoyed it while I was there, but I don't have any interest in guns. It was just his job was to fix these guns. Well, the other the other thing is, which I never I never point him out, but you quickly, you identify him one way or the other is the amount of police and military we have coming in to do a, fire, a civilian firearms license. Because okay. there's an assumption just because you're in the army or police, you must be able to just go shoot guns all the time. And it's like, yeah. no, they don't have no. a firearms license. Yeah. They're not allowed to, very, very definitely not allowed to take their guns out of a very strict set of protocols. So they have to go get their licenses. And quite regularly, I'll have a, a cop come in or army boys or native something, military, and um, come into the license because they want to go hunting, you know, yeah. or they just want to get into shooting. That's the other thing. Well, believe it or not, Police are normal people. <laughs> I, no. know, I know there's certainly no. a big push in the internet side of New Zealand's firearm community to, to disagree with police and, after the last few years, whatever. <laughs> but the everyday on-the-beat cop or guy at the station, they're generally not a dickhead. They're usually a dickhead because you're being a dickhead. These are just things I've picked up over the years. I deal with police a little bit. Um, some, of them, they do want, some of them do want to learn to shoot better. Yep. Even for their job, because they want to be safer, handle yep. firearms better. Um, they're just, like I say, they're just people. And most of them, they are keen hunters, especially in rural communities. Um, 
Yeah, have we got on? Have we got on? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably as close as it's gonna... as close as to politics as I'm ever going to get as well. Yeah, that's, that's that's enough about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know lemons. I okay. So back to the, uh, the uh, I I even used to have the same conversation, and we we've been going for a while, so we'll, we'll start rounding it up for people. I used to have this conversation back when I was in the audio audio industry as well, and. I, I used to always struggle because you'd have people come in who had the money to come in and buy high-end stuff straight away. Mm-hmm. And I always used to be torn because you're like, all right, if you've got the budget, I can short circuit or I can shortcut you five, 10 years of my experience and just sell you where I am now. And yep. that's cool. You can use that. That's great. But then I would even say to them, the problem is, and we'll do it anyway because I'm going to take your money. But you don't get to see the improvement or the 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 graduation and the learning process with it. Mm-hmm. So you can get now a gun that that shoots like a laser beam, and you can get this is the whole thing. We spend the money, we can get shots at a thousand, and we can get one out of ten or something like that because our shooting's not up to par, but we can hit, you know. But you don't get to appreciate how good or how. Yeah, how good that is compared to the the older rigs or the cheaper rigs that people start with. Where is if you had a gun, where you started with a three like my like my Remington seven hundred three hundred eight that I played with and did the trigger and everything and never shot that well. I shot okay. Versus now, finally rebarreling it and getting it. Now it's like holy hell, that's that's a gun, you know. But I appreciate that because I had one that wasn't that. So yeah. sometimes those lemons are good. Because they kind of, that's what makes you appreciate the, it's the opposite of lemon, sugar, orange, I don't know. The lemonade. The lemonade. Thank you very much. There you go. That was kind of obvious, really. <laughs> can't make lemonade without lemons. Ah, yeah. there we go. You can't make lemonade without shitty guns. Yeah. 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 So no, you're right though. Like, it's that journey of um, like, and I, I like to try steer people away from making bad decisions if they do ask me questions. But oh, we've I've made I've bought a lot of stuff, shot a, way too much ammo, didn't know what I was doing reloading, wasted a lot of money, and you think, yeah, it'd be nice to um, well I would just spend that money I think yes, but to 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 have success <laughs> straight away. And I guess that's I get daily messages half a dozen from guys, ammo, what scope, uh, I'm whatever. And I just give the best advice I can from my experience or maybe some really people I know really well, what they've experienced um, a little bit and hopefully save that money. But, but like you say, some of the stuff I know now is because I've, I've buggered it up. Mm. I've, I've missed those shots. And then I've, you know, I've taken a shot at a comp or I've done something at a comp and it's just not worked. Come home thinking about it way too much. Study, ask same thing, ask questions, read, and try and come up with a better way of doing things and learn. Okay, this path didn't work. This is working well. So, like you say, that that experience can be valuable, and especially say you get say you start off with the high end gear, and then inevitably you have some issue down the road. Say your scope your scope mounts come loose, whatever reason, but you don't know what's going wrong. Mm. And you think, fuck, I've just spent $20,000 and it's shooting like a bag of garbage. But if maybe over time you'd learn, okay, first thing we're going to do, we're going to check range, we're going to check rail. Uh, when, when did I last clean the barrel? Um, muzzle, biggest one ever, suppressor is loose. Is it tight? Tune. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, like you say, by going through and, 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 and walking down that path and learning these things, then you sort of come up with your own sort of checklist um, to, to run through to diagnose an issue or potentially avoid an issue before a match. Check the yep. talk specs. I check suppressors between stages if I remember. I'll lie Probably down not. and I know I've tightened it. I'm like, Shit, yeah, no, make sure it's safe. No, it's good. It's fine. But it's then probably it not a bad. It, it's probably not a bad thing. It's like flip your snow, scope covers up, check that suppressor's on, just as almost a pre-shot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and and same thing for say starting hunting. Don't. Is that a sheep at my house or at your house? I just heard. It must be in my house because you live here. I highly here. doubt. There's two <laughs> rabbits up the back of our property at the moment, which is kind of interesting in itself. But yeah. <laughs> um. One thing we've talked about it again and again, but as they taking away from precision world to the, the hunting or pest control world and I've buggered it up and I, I still do it. Walk around on a low zoom. Walk around with your turret set to either a point blank zero, say 200, 300, whatever you decide, or your 100 meters if you're a normal person. And and same when you're 22, set it to your, say I run a 50. Um, make sure you, you those things are set because the reason I check it is because I've buggered it up and I've missed rabbits yeah. and I've missed goats and I've missed deer um, or I've had wind dialed on or something stupid or I've lost points in a competition. I did one at um, Tokoroa recently. Uh, unlimited stage, it was a big round count. And I've got three Tika um, mags, right? Ten rounders. I only had one loaded and then the second one had two in it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm start shooting. I run out of ammo. Yeah. You need all of the gear required for that stage off the ground with you as you start. Yeah. My spare ammo was in my backpack, which wasn't required, I didn't think. So I could not go and get more ammo <laughs> or I would be breaking the rules. And I don't want to be breaking the rules. <laughs> I finished third that day, seven points behind first and second. Yeah. I would have made more than seven points, more than likely. I mean, it's pie in the sky. Of but course. So me not following sort of a, a ritual between stages or, or related to hunting or whatever, but checking, double checking my mags, loading. Yep, they've all got 10 rounds. Yep, that's not seven, that's got 10. Um, and it cost me big time. Albeit in a fun game, it's not the end of the world. But that's um, but that's the point of the fun games. It's where you should go through and do these things. And I'll make, I'm going to put a video up shortly. I'll just put a link in our, I keep talking about our private group chat, just put a link up there and it's a cock up. But it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, it's just by by putting yourself in these pressure situations of a competition or something like that, you work them out there rather than when that animal is in front of you or when it actually matters. That's the point yeah. to me. Dude, of it's, it's fun, and that is, I hundred percent agree. But I also, I also want to do better at competitions. Oh, yeah. I do, oh, a, lot yeah. Of, I do <laughs> yeah. a lot of practice, like say right. when I'm. Pest yeah, controlling. Yeah, yeah. Get, it sounds weird, but to go the opposite way, I'm going to. Um, well, this is, but this is okay. So this is the drills at your practice sessions, for example. That's where you want to work these out. That's like this video I'm going to put up. I while I was doing it, I'm like, I'm just going to put a video up of me bloody shooting all over the place and being shitty shooting and everything. But then, it, then you go down to a target and go, you know, you're actually quite close to where you're aiming, and you shot it in 20 seconds from standing, and it's actually okay. There was a beeper, so. Yeah, but that's when you're pushing yourself to work yourself so that when when you need to perform, you uh, you know you can because you've practiced. Yeah, that, that so is a big Practice, thing. simple. The, the close, we've said, again, we've talked about it, the close range shot, the 10-meter shot. Yeah. Be it um, 
what will generally be used for is a close range headshot and people always shoot the jaws off deer we use it and we use that exact same thing in competition 10 meters yeah a circle this big put three shots in it and everyone shoots they shoot below it because they aim yep. at it and it's the mechanical offset that's all it is it's the simplest thing in the world you hear guys yep. going now i've got worked it out i've done the oh, algorithm and put the barrel on the bit of paper aim yeah. look where you're looking pull the trigger and see what happens yeah. and go out it doesn't it takes more than 10 meters for that to change yeah. so. but then all i tell people is like listen in your squad what's the distance between your center of your barrel and your scope you've got it in your app oh, yeah so 54 millimeters i'm like cool aim approximately 54 millimeters or hey if you've got a first focal plane reticle or be you'd be zoomed in it wouldn't work but Aim approximately that far above it. You can even mill the target beforehand if you really want to. Be <laughs> and that that is it. Now, when I first shot it, I figured it out because I've had an idea. I'm like, I think this is it, and everyone was squabbling away. And so I'm like, well, we've all got our own piece of paper, and it's at ten meters. So if I'm unsure, remember where I aimed on the first shot. Cool, I aimed here. I hit low. Oh, there we go. There's the answer. There's your off. Yeah, bring it up. Yeah, bring it up and then whatever the holders and shoot my other four shots and I, I got a heap of points people are going shit how did you get so many points i'm like well i just watched my first bullet hole first round yeah. yeah um yeah but yeah that and bringing that back to the hunting thing is people um there'll be an animal on the ground and for some reason instead of cutting it straight they'll shoot it in the head or it'll like you say a close range headshot but they'll shoot it here because they look through a scope and so if you look through a scope at a yard away or a foot you've still got a this yeah. big mechanical offset so you need to put the crosshair above said head depending on the size whatever the game animals um and so knowing that um can be invaluable that's actually one that i think more people should practice especially hunters as even a 25 meter shot what's 25 meters going well but so that's the thing it's always in i put the i'll put an article up on that you know should i aim high or low up close and you have some people poo-pooing it i'm like but it's a pretty basic skill. The point blank zero or maximum optimum point blank zero, maximum point blank range. It's just guys are, ah, oh, but you just do this and it's like, yeah, I know, but let's just, it doesn't hurt that much to take that little bit extra time to understand why. Yeah. Because I, with, with the, with the zero. Yeah. Now in my, my 260, it's a hunting style one and it's, I've got the single turn turret on it, right? So I'm right. limited in my, um, vertical elevation adjustment so i yes. run a 200 meter zero yeah because it gains me back several minutes of angle yes but i'm quite careful with it everything else i'll run 100 meter zero because i've got the elevation it doesn't matter so for whatever reason if i'm in the open country and i want to be able to take a quick shot at 200 meters i'll just dial a 200 meter zero it's that yep. simple two in my way whatever whatever the gun is yeah um i'll dial the, the 200 meter set most or whatever. most guns it's two in my way yeah, they're rough yeah rough <laughs> little <laughs> work Hey, and, uh, but, Bob, I have to check. Is it two, two, three? I think that's probably the one exception I can think of. Six, five, seven mil, three, seven. All those. Just dial two mil. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Yeah, sorry. M M oh, sorry. Jesus. Yeah. You I dial two mil, but that's your four hundred. No, no, no. I'm sorry, man. I'm bad on that. I, everything I talk is mil these. Days. Anyway, two yeah, MOA. Yes, you are correct. I'm just using MOA for hunting because it's yeah, considered a hunting. As I should as well. That's that's all good. Yeah, yeah. Now, military use, again, I'm not military, it's just what I read and listen to. They'll, a lot of them will run a point blank range or quick math because 
they aim between a certain point here and a certain point yes. down here and yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't matter boom yeah hit, move on and a lot of time they don't have the time to do said um range or something sure. but when it comes to game animals it's something completely different um <laughs> you're wanting to harvest said animal or remove it from the property um but you want to do it as humanely as you can so taking the little bit of time to, it's not even a lot to learn the, the 10 meter like you say, the 50 metre, where you run your zero, having a bloody zero that's actually zeroed. Oh, my God. But, but yeah, it's just these little things that will make you so much more efficient. And then you might come across the best stag of your life, and because you've got a little deficiency in one of these basic areas, you bugger it all up. Whereas you could have spent an hour on the range going mm. over the stuff with more experience, and you can hit your target. I, I find myself more and more, as I've done... I don't know how many hundreds, but I think I put thousands of doing the licensing courses through now. Mm. You, as you do that presentation, you kind of find those points that you think are important. You start refining and refining and refining, right? So at the moment, there's two things that I'm just trying to hammer home to people because I think at, th at this point in time, it's the essence of things. And one is situational awareness, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yep. that covers where your muzzle's facing that so you know always point a firearm in a safe direction identify your target beyond all doubt that situational awareness um, be aware of what lies beyond your target that one which is situational awareness be aware of where your hunting buddy is that situational awareness it's situational awareness and number two is learn your tools mm. that's the other thing it's just like if and i'm talking more about dry fire now which i have to be careful because you have to explain what dry fire is and the rules of dry fire and all the live ammunition is out of the room and it's you know but yeah, encouraging people to pick up their rifle with their manual, guys, pick, read your manual with your gun, learn that safety, learn how the functions and everything, be comfortable putting a magazine, be comfortable loading a magazine so you don't look gumby trying to put rounds into a magazine while holding your rifle that's now flagging you, mate, mate, be, yeah. because you don't know how to manipulate a firearm. And just get just get comfortable with holding a gun. And I realize now doing this, the demos with some of these these guns, I can get the bolts in and out. But that's because I've done it hundreds, if not thousands of times now. Mm. And I hand it over and you watch people gumby with it. And you're like, yeah, you just need to practice and, and be comfortable with your tools, comfortable with your equipment being your gun before you go out and introduce the this buck fever, target, you know, fixation or target fright or any of these other compounding factors into it. But yeah, situational awareness and learn your gear, you know. Um, that seemed to me it just comes down to those two things time and time again. Yeah. And even like obviously there's a huge aspect of that is safety and not injuring yourself or your friends or your fellow hunters. Of course, that's just, the result. That That's where that comes out of that, you know. Or, or um, shooting farmer's stock, whatever. Yep. You know, you go shoot yep. a $9,000 stud bull, you're paying for it. It's yep. just – anyway – but it's also familiarity with said tools. Say you have a, a malfunction, you can clear it quickly. You might be able to clear it in a couple of seconds and still get a chance at that deer. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, um, or, or not be the fact like, okay, shit, I've got a case stuck in the gun. What do I do? Oh, I've got to go well, home. I've ruined my hunt. You know, well, like I, I had an interesting example recently. We have a pump action. It's an 870 clone pump action and we have some dummy rounds that we do demos for these guys that how do you load and how you use a tube magazine essentially how do we mm -hmm. unload a tube mag and i intentionally i do do a couple of things now is that i've got four rounds so if i'm sneaky what i do is i single feed a couple and then i double 
not a quad, I double load the last two in. So I get an extra round in there and not everyone notices basically, right? So I've got four yeah. rounds there. Cycle through and then then go, all right, well, we're going to cycle rounds out. So I cycle three rounds out and show them the followers empty because you can look in the under the follow and it's empty and yeah. everyone knows. I'm like, empty, empty gun, eh? Empty gun, yeah, sweet as. We can see the followers empty. Walk back, I'm like, anyone know the issue? And not always, sometimes somebody realizes there's one still up the spout. Sometimes people don't. But anyway, so I was doing this recently and I got a double feed and it's like jammed and I'm, I'm sitting there and everything. I'm like, there's two ways I can go. I can swear at it and, and as the instructor in front of a class or I can go, all right, I'm going to show you how you actually clear, you know, this gun and everything and did it. And I said, I'd, I'm not so worried about you clearing the, the gun itself. That's an important thing to learn. But where's my muzzle pointing the whole way through this? Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was in some ways I hope the thing jams up every single time now. Because then I've got the opportunity to show it's like, well, one, I've done this before. I understand I'm not going to panic now and the muzzle's going to stay in a safe direction. Hurrah. Mm. So. Speaking of shotguns, tech tip, the Benelli <laughs> M2 will not run Aguila mini shells. Just in case anyone wants to know that. Not enough to cycle eject properly? No, or? they run fine. Two shells. Um, we, I had some, right? Oh, well, yeah. please run this gun because they're slugs. <laughs> Two of the shells together are about the same inch as the same overall length as a three-inch shell. So right. they will load up into the follower, the, the, the lifter, yeah, and be lifted up to be chambered, but obviously won't chamber. Now, won't it chamber. Will, if you're in a pinch, this is just total like end-of-the-world tip. <laughs> if you're in a pinch, you can have one in the chamber and one in the mag. That yeah. will work. Yeah, it can, yeah, it'll lift one, but it yeah, cannot yeah. lift more than yeah. Just just something. I just was like, I wonder if it'll feed these, and then it all turned to shit. And it's like, no, they won't. And it's like, well, I wonder if it'll do one, and it did. So just in case you're ever in a spot and you're like, that's all you got in your bag for duck shooting. You got but two here's, rounds left. It'll work. And we're back to the the issue of people getting to ranges, and I encourage people to get to ranges, and we need more ranges, and this whole thing and everything. More people, more access to practice this stuff. But the perfect place to figure all this stuff out is the local range. Yeah. You know, safe direction, you're pointing in a safe direction, put two in there. As long as you're doing it safe where you're not going to just cause a, like a, how do I phrase this? It doesn't, if you're, if the range is open and it discharges, but everything's pointing where you're like, put your safety on, pull the trigger with the safety on and see if the gun goes off. And yeah, if you've done 100%. that, you're now like probably beyond 90% of firearms owners. I shouldn't say that. It makes it sound terrible. Especially but if but you've you, mucked around with your trigger. Yes, but you were probably most guys never test their safety. No, to be if honest, Kerry, I don't use safeties because I don't have a round chamber nearly, nearly at all. You know. Yes, but um, yep. but correct, especially duck. I imagine duck shooting. If you're sitting in a blind, I imagine guys run a situation where they yep. have one chamber. Run a safety. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. No. Have you point. have you? I asked, have you tested your safety? So, so, man, we're going really off. Anyway, so there's something I was thinking about recently. I'm I'm pondering because I'm aware of us competition or me. I can I'll talk for myself as a competition shooter. I hardly use a safety on my guns mm -hmm. because we are pretty much going from a unloaded state through to what we would call an action or an instant state. Right? We're yep. not walking around with one upper chamber or anything. Very rarely. Now, Simon, you have bolt open that and, and yourself. So I'm trying to figure out again this motor mechanics, neurolinguist, not neuro, neuro pathways training is whether I can figure using a safety into there somewhere, because I realise most yeah. of my firearms handling at the moment I don't, so that's my 
my habit. So I was thinking while I was out on the range on Tuesday is, yeah, getting back into that habit of, of I don't know, starting a stage with the safety on. I, I don't know. I don't know. I've got to think about this. But it, again... As long as your bolt allows you to do it is the trouble. Yeah. To, some lot with, with the bolt to the rear won't. Some will with three positions. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's, that's one thing. So people criticize America about everything. But from all the videos I watch about Americans shooting, as in YouTube channels and such, hmm. they are always really good with their safeties on their ar 15 But also they carry their firearms in a state of readiness for the most part. But you'll watch them, they'll be like, blam, 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 blam. Or like, oh, you got to do that real cool. What's that one? You do, bam, bam, bam. But they'll always, they'll always, bang, 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 uh, whatever target's engaged, flick the safety, and then they'll they'll check their surroundings for the most part. Um, <laughs> Tactical test. And then, yeah, yeah. And then but reload. Now we don't, obviously, those, those days are gone for us, but you could probably, yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I just I just I just <laughs> I empty the chamber out, so I don't know how I'd apply it to anything. Like I don't know. I like just like, rim fire, maybe. Yeah, it's it's just something I've been thought thinking recently. Is uh, it's funny? I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I watch a lot of the boys over stateside on on using ARs or pistols because weapon manipulate firearms manipulation. Although for them, they're, they're, it's definitely weapons. Um, firearms manipulation is is firearms manipulation. It's mm -hmm. transferable, you know. So, yeah, but it, it is something, you are right with the AI, AR guys, particularly their thumb just comes up and off. It just switches it on and off habitually. It comes up, off, down. And that's yeah. what we, we're now teaching as well. We're teaching people, use your safety. And we're coming back to learning your gun, learning how that mm. safety should just be automatic that you do it. Because those guys are, because they're drilling it so often. Yeah. That, yeah, they'll shoot the, some of the transition and the, between transitions, they're going on and off the safety. And it's not I slowing them down. I think part of that is, no, it's not slowing them down whatsoever. I think part of that is, um, for us anyway, is, is the lack of training. We don't have a lot of avenues for, mm. I'm going to remove sort of the, the hunting because NZDA do a lot of that stuff, no doubt. Um, some of it archaic, but, um, but for, for, for precision and stuff, there's not a lot of options in New Zealand. There's very few. Um, so like you say, you just sort of generally learn it with your mates. Mm. Um, I mean, there's you, 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 you're doing it. Um, there's um, tactical, whatever his name is. And I don't know if he is. I actually, I was looking to Jeremy. Yeah. School of arms. I, I don't know. What happened I've got to catch up with him anyway. Yeah. Um, he he might've realized, he might've realized like me that there's not a lot of people anyway. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's a, some of the army boys are trying to kick something off. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like because because I mean you go to a big place like Texas, there's going to be like a thousand places that'll train you how to shoot a gun, albeit a heavy gun culture as well. Yeah, and and also training for different sorts of things. But um, yeah, but here it's yeah it's not a like say not a real viable thing to buy a five million dollar farm and set up a training facility. It's just not real life here. So no, nah. I get I get it all the time. Oh can you organize for me and like 10 of my mates to go shooting will pay? And it's like, not really. Cause one it's yeah, the landowner is still even at, and the even, neighbors. Yeah, even at say at my place, I still try and keep the people who live in the area happy to a certain extent, most of them. Um, so I don't want 10 guns, boom, 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 mm. boom for a whole afternoon. Right. Um, and then where I do my longer range stuff, I kind of keep, I, I do events here, obviously, but 
I, I'm lucky enough to go shoot there all the time, but you don't want to abuse it yeah. as well. So, yep. yeah, it's, it's how I, I get that question a lot and it's quite awkward sometimes to be like, mm, not really, I've got a good setup, but it's not a public range. It's not a public range. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's similar with Balnagown as well. It's a it's a hunting block primarily. He's got neighbours. It's not a range. I tell people it's not a it's not a public range in the way that you think you can go to a pistol range or a, a yeah. I was going to say an AR range, or those places where you can have that semi-automatic fire and make a lot of noise. Mm. It's not that. So yeah, um, and you yeah. don't want to lose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's, um, no. Yeah, I, no, I've had issues with noise and 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 people um calling the cops and stuff. The cops are pretty good; they know what I'm up to anyway. And then the said neighbours are uh, a bit weird, so the cops know that. But anyway, um, yeah, but I still I, like. But I'm, so, I'm so on the flip side, though, I'm still encouraging people to get out and and practice more with their guns. So we go back to dr- one dry fire because yep. for manipulation stuff, dry fire works perfectly fine. Um, and like I said at the end of, of last week as well, I think for a practice tip for a comp is just dry fire or not even dry fire, practice moving your gun around a barricade yeah. so you can comfortably keep that muzzle in the same direction as well because it's, you know, it's just stuff like that. One, one I've been practicing a little bit has been because I find you don't do it, you only do it in competition, but is getting down behind the rifle correctly in an efficient way. Yeah, because sort of if, if you say you're shooting a group or you're mucking around shooting gongs, practicing, you got all the time in the world, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, now my hips are a little bit to the left, so I've got to shuffle my, my hips across and get my natural point of aim. In competition, you want to sort of get down quick. So I just watch a lot of Philip Vallejo, how mm. he does it. I try and mimic it, I guess. Um, and, but, then, but then I've got to, when I go to the range, make sure I apply it. Just stuff like that. That's a good one. You can practice in the lounge or in the garages. Well, getting down and building your position quickly. Yeah, that's the one I've done. Uh, this is a video I'm putting up where halfway through it, I make a not a significant cock up, but it's it's quite a funny cock up in some ways. But that was basically um, I've got myself short version. I've got which is in my hand here. I've got a, a die, right? It's got different numbers and stuff on it, and I've made a target that's just got six different shapes and numbers and colours on it. So I just throw the dice from standing behind it. I've got twenty seconds to get in and oh, thirty seconds to get in and shoot the target. Then stand up or kneel behind it, so you're breaking position and and doing it again, breaking position, doing it again, and that was it. Same thing. I realised at the end of it, my conclusion was, yeah, I'm I'm rushing. You know, I'm I'm going too fast and I'm I'm hitting high, and that's because I'm not behind that rifle and shouldering it and, and loading into that bipod as I need to do and the rear bag sliding and the whole thing's just coming up. That's where um, the, um, it's always one of my favorite stages at, at Simon's competitions and it being that he designs a lot of stages for my events at my events too, is the, um, the dash at stages. Yeah. So you, you're, you're shooting and it's, you, you're running. So your heart rate's getting up and you have to get back out in this position and so your first one or one or two shots are okay, and then the third's hard, and then the fourth you're like, man, I've got a motor because I've got ten seconds left. Five yep. of that's going to be running, so you like, try and get down, take a shot at say four hundred meters, not not a particularly long way in our game, but the target might only be eight inches, ten inches, but your heart's going. <sighs> so your chest is moving up and down, so your reticle's going to be going up and down. Um, and a lot of the time you've, you've only got seconds. So if you can build that position and take a good shot quicker, although your, your heart rate's going to affect that, um, 
So that's actually something to ask on. Well, but that's that whole thing. That's the the speed is getting into the position, then slowing down when you need to break that shot. Yes. So then what speeding, I've been, speeding back up, then slowing down to take that shot. So we've got roughly a month to rata. So one of my on my list of practicing, I'm going to try to several hundred repetitions of it. As probably my twenty two more than anything, but a, a bit with the six. Um, obviously, ammo costs more, but oh oh my dies have la- my dies have landed in new zealand i won't have them in time i won't be able to do any more reloads but yeah sorry sorry anyway as you yeah. were um that's, that's <laughs> good though um but so the idea is on just at my place i'll set up a target i don't know 500 meters and maybe another one at four who cares to be honest i could even do a little square at 200 just a, a minute of angle target but um and i'm going to practice dashing it dashing yep. it, dash it style stage but really concentrating on the getting up and getting back down. Yeah. If that makes sense. Cause yeah, yeah, of course. I, I well, power that... slide a lot and I end up with prickles all in my tummy every time. <laughs> but, um, and but then you got is... like freaking road rash for the whole day. <laughs> and it, it's all, <laughs> you need like a guard. We need like a, a rash guard or so. Anyway, um, but that's also something you can do at the 100 meter local deer stalkers range. Shoot a dot. Even, even if you even if you're only allowed to shoot prone, like North, I guess you're cheap. But I think North, North Auckland, you they'd been limited to pretty much. Pro- Hello, we've got someone razor. That's we've got Blair trying to join in now. At ten. Wait a moment. It 24. is. Hello, hi Blair. How are you? Howdy, Jane. <laughs> did Did you just get sick of us rambling and wanted to? Uh, uh, no, he's been busy getting a haircut. I, oh That's no, yeah, it, was, it was the other day. I've been been out in the garage. <laughs> well, we mind you, we've been trying to summarise for the end of the show for about half an hour, I think. Anyway, oh, I've been I've been listening off and on. Okay, yeah. but yeah, I, but so yeah, hundred meters. Um, I've got the I'll put a target up soon. That's the point of it. With this, things goes with this. But yeah, they're just one moa with a two moa grey and a three moa around it, so you can kind of scale. But the idea being, yes, you can do it at a hundred meter range. Or a fifty, if that's if, if it's twenty, it could be a twenty-two as well. But yeah, it's getting up and building that position, getting up, building that position, getting up, building that position. Um, so the DHLR. No, uh, no, this is it for hundred meters, even closer. You're right, but but bringing it down, and then the other thing I've done is because I've got this fella, which has just got the different colours or shapes on it. There is a little element of target identification in there as well. Oh, that's um, good. But we're going to make the numbers bigger because I've realised unless you're running a 24 or 25 times, you won't even be able to read the number. So, yeah. Even but for, I, say, say 100 metres, even if you just print it off, like you say, a A3 sheet or whatever, with two MOA circle. Yeah. Call it a two-inch circle, shoes MOA. And um, if you could hold two MOA on a dash it style run, say, let's say five shots, and say you're running, I don't know, 25 metres, or 20 meters um if you could hold two moa you're good yeah. the target's going to be big it's probably going to be like three four moa whatever so if you could hold two moa so each of your shots is landing in that circle and then run back and then run back and shoot your second shot run back shoot your third shot so you can actually see or you should be able to sort of graph your shooting you know i'm getting obviously getting well, worse but <laughs> that's a good idea i'm gonna i'm gonna do that actually I'll, well, I'll send you the target as well, and I've got the. Hmm. Oh, I don't have a photo of it, but like I say, next video up, I'll probably put this video up of this. And it's, I was humming and harring because it's not. I again, it, I don't view it as particularly good shooting. But then it occurred to me what I was doing. It's still all two MOA, so it's just hmm. like, oh, actually, considering what I was doing, and, and and I was breaking a shot at eleven seconds at it, I'm like, 
yeah, okay, that's actually acceptable. Yeah. But the, I was rushing. That's what I am aware of. One of the stages that I run at the 22 shoots are um, got five targets and five positions that you've got to shoot in 80 seconds and 14 rounds. Yeah. Um, I watched a video of Sam Rodenclaw shooting off the tripod with a 22, and he got his first two shots off within the first 11 seconds, and he was moving on 12 seconds. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty rapid and pretty impressive. I, I shot it prone, getting up and down prone, take a little bit longer, but um, yeah, same sort of thing. Yeah, very, very rapid. But again, it's just being aware of what what is the size of a target that I actually want to or need to hit, and what that's my. So it goes down as the guys would say, acceptable sight picture, acceptable target size, and that's 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 mm. keeping it relevant to it as Even well. Even an acceptable middle ground parallax sometimes if you're on yep. short stages. Um, Again, you could get a tiny discrepancy from your parallax being slightly incorrect, but your target may absorb that um, mistake, kind yep. of. So, yep. we uh, stage Simon said at one of our comps had a very tight time limit. He it was like 150, 250, then like 450. He had to go through it twice um, in a very short time. Same thing. I think he said like just a whatever parallax. I, I think I ran on a 300 or something. Mm. Uh, zoomed back a bit. I find if I might I haven't got time to really tune my parallax up i'll run a lower magnification i find that helps and then um so you, you set, set a middle ground and um if your time this is in competition not so much hunting or anything but yeah if your time's short and again practice it um it's never that good of an idea to just try it out in a competition because it'll probably turn the garbage on you but um although we've all guilty of it. always fun watching someone do a see watch someone else do a stage and then they see oh I'm going to do it like that. I've never done it before, but yeah, that looks good. So I'm going to do that. Never works out well. I'm going to change my entire plan. Yeah, with 30 <laughs> seconds to go. Oh, that's so if you have, if you've got no plan though, that's probably better than nothing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> A shit plan's better than no plan. That's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, well, depends. Back back in the uh, a few years back with what we. We now call no shoots. We used to call them hostage stages. Um, you used to be able to run. So now you can only minimum yeah. points is zero. Yeah, which is good. But back in the back in the old days, a couple of years ago, you could run into negatives. So you could be having an awesome day, and then on the no shoot stage, uh, you shoot the wrong target several times, and you can end up coming out of the stage of like minus fifteen or minus thirty yeah. points. Oh, it was, I, I, it was I've heavy. had one or two minor stages. Yeah, oh, exactly. Because so then, did it. Oh, yeah, because you luckily you hit, Simon's not that mean anymore. You hit the target because now you're negative, and now you're trying to make it up. Yeah, and it gets worse. And so you hit the target again. So now uh, hit the no shoot again. So now not only are you trying to make it up, now you've also got that funk going in your brain that my God, I can't shoot either. What am mm. I doing here? Um, yeah. And also, so I think from memory, I'm just making, pulling these numbers out of, out of thin air, but it was like three points for a hit, but minus five for yeah, brutal. incorrect target. So it wasn't as if you were, okay, I got a hit, I got a, a, a no shoot, zero. It was like, no, nah, I'm on minus two now. Oh, I got another one, I'm on minus five or what, you know, seven. It was just hectic. Um, look, those days are gone, thank bugger for that. But um, they were funny. Like you could, a guy's days could be ruined on a stage, like as in top five. Well, I top, top, top five just wiped out. I think I remember being in a squad once where the guy basically opted not to shoot. Mm, I've uh, just I've like he's watching, he's watching us. 
Yeah, he was watching us and what was happening with us. He's like, you know what? I think my best my best strategy here is to just take a zero stage because you've all gone negative. Yeah. So. Um, if if now, I like the game, right? I'm there to play. Yeah. So I'll I'll shoot them always. But another thing you could do if you didn't want to admit to it, you could just shoot the ground next to the target and be like, oh, miss, because miss is zero. Miss, miss. Oh, you missed five times. At least you didn't hit any of the notions. <laughs> Um, I do. I do really enjoy those stages, though. They are, um, man. You really got to sometimes put that projectile really where you want it, where it and, needs um, to go. Yeah. At Hal Tapu, um, last January, was the wickedest stage. Simon actually said to me, "He's like, oh, I actually nearly went and reset it. It's too hard because the the two no shoots were the, the the diamonds were pretty much touching, and you could just see the white target or pink target, whatever it was. You were meant to engage behind it." And beforehand, you shot another target off to the right. And I sh- it was windy as all heck, but it was a similar distance and a similar-ish angle. So I shot that, missed, got a wind call, shot again, hit, and then I moved over to the um, the no-shoot. Um, and then I managed to just whack it, whack it, whack it. Incredibly hard shot, actually. I was stoked. And, um, but luckily, we'd had the, the, pre, the target to give you a rough wind yeah. hold beforehand. Otherwise, it would have just been... Very hard, albeit everyone else shot the, uh, the no shoots anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I do. They are hard stages sometimes, they but they're good fun, they're so much fun. Yeah, well, it's that compounding factor of not only needing to place an accurate shot but having that penalty if it goes wrong, which then becomes a mental challenge because instead of focusing on the target you're meant to be hitting, you start focusing on the targets you're not wanting to hit, mm. and that's when you hit them. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, three 300 meters. In camp conditions, you're like, yeah, this is pretty straightforward. But like yep. I say, at 450, 500, 600 meters. A little bit of wind. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's just, a, so if your height is perfect on your target, a little bit of what would be an acceptable shot normally would actually, and give you a good hit, would impact on the no-shoot. And um, yeah. Anyway, enough. Of, I'm rambling on about them, but they are a lot of fun. And I imagine we'll be seeing at least one at Tarawa oh, next month. So. I guarantee it, actually. So, uh, Blair, late entry, but uh, biggest lemon you've ever bought? Haven't really had too much, to be honest. I had brought a, what a, a um, 7mm Remag Browning A-Bolt from um, a gun shop. It was a $1. <laughs> um, and they said, it, they said it was brand new, but I doubt it. Um, and <laughs> it, it shot all right, but it um, it wouldn't it wouldn't um, extract properly. Uh, so we did all some yeah up to fix it and um so i ended up selling it for about what i brought it for anyway but it's probably worked out well that it didn't shoot all that good because i probably would still have it and probably wouldn't have my 260 if i had if that thing had a shot right so it's probably worked out all right and um then like tools and stuff buying buying cheaper tools instead of just spending the money and buy the good one first but yeah learning Learning. One thing that actually just reminded me, which you talked about after last week's show when we were talking about budget options, and that was the, that notion where you'll have a guy who's got five guns in the safe that were all cheap options versus maybe having that one or two options that would have been the better option, yeah. which is fine. Uh, again, it's a different, almost a core philosophy. I like, like I would say, Graham, I, you, you have quite a lot. You like trying different things, different calibers, different everything. I almost the opposite. I'm kind of looking at things going, 
do I need it? I get rid of it. I can put it back into one rig. That's what I've done. You know, I essentially sold the TAC A1, could have got a left-handed, but realized I had the Remington still in there in the, in the XLR. I'm just like, all right, let's put the money into there. I've got that barrel. Let's just sink the money back into that. So there's also, I don't know if false economy is the right term, but sometimes if guys keep buying piles of cheap things, because they're like, oh, it's, it's cheap, it's all good. But sometimes it's good to just wait for that two or three iterations and get that slightly better one. Yeah, I, I really think you're better off having one really good something than three or four shitty somethings, whether mm. it's guns or scopes or um, yeah, dies or whatever. It, yeah, you, you, you're often better off just getting the one good one and uh, just using that. At least, you, at least you're going to know how it works. True. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we got? We got Tirada in uh, about a month now. So yeah. I'm running. I'm running out of factory ammo. So I'm. I don't have a lot more I can practice for us. To be blunt, I'll have to get the 22 out and practice that, or something like that. Um, what else? Then there's a, there is a 22 shoot as well coming up before the end it's of the year. It's like two weeks after Tirada, yeah. yeah. It, um, it was postponed due to um, the COOF. So, the, yeah, okay. again, sold out, but I imagine yep. there's a waiting list. Tirata does have, again, not my event. I just talked to Simon a bunch. There is a waiting list for that. I'd get on if I was you. I imagine you'll get a spot. Um, no, no, I, I've got a spot, Graham. Thank you, though. Thanks. For no, that. I mean, sorry. I mean, uh, anyone <laughs> listening. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the best events in New Zealand, and yeah. um, it's worth getting on to. Are we still aiming for top thirty-four? Are we? Yeah, top oh, top. Well, it'd end up being like top sixty something if you had both days together, won't it? Seventy. That's a good point, mind you. If you shoot both days, you can only take the first day's score. So it depends how many people are shooting both days. I'm shooting both days, but I'll be hunter in the second day. Ah, okay. So, that's but I cannot, I cannot win the hunter class if I've already shot the open class. Not that I'm saying I'm going to win it, but right. Um, but that's why not, you won't win it because you're not. Well, no, I, sh I shouldn't say that. I'm not allowed to win it if I win the open class. But either way, it's not happening. He, but, he, um, didn't, he didn't win the hunter class because he couldn't, so he just didn't try. Yeah, yeah. Also, otherwise oh, he would. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously. Um, but yeah, obviously, I'll be running a hunting style firearm and the hunter class on the Sunday rather than my... You're bringing out the M2 with slugs. <laughs> well, you're pretty funny. No, um, I'll probably run my 260 or I might see if I can hang on to the Mauser M18 just a little bit longer and shoot that because it's pretty cool and it'll probably actually round out. Maybe I can do a little bit about shooting a match with it. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that event. That's, that's the event that got it all oh, started for me. Yep. So it's um yeah, it's gonna be good. So that's and then then you're back into the your guys shoots are coming up, they're all next year, eh? Yeah. TLRS. Uh, that's gonna start your season will start next year, essentially. Yeah, February. February for us. Yep. So How Tapu, I imagine, is January. It shit is. Um and then yeah, then then yep. it'll be the first yep. um Taranaki shoot um in February, end of Feb after haymaking. So there'll be nice uh Nice and dry, hopefully, unlike last year. And yeah, and then, then I've got the other event which will move in somewhere, but a bit after March, we got Mountain Challenge in March, we'll be at the South Island, so it's probably not the end of the world if I hold it then. But um uh, after March you've got duck shooting in the raw. It really yep. buggers up holding events because it just guys are just, out hunting. 
Yeah, to be honest, it's it's the opening weekend for duck shooting. There's no point holding anything there. Yeah. Most guys get out, they shoot their ducks, they get pissed, all that dumb stuff. And then they're over it. They're good for a year, but um, around here anyway. And so, yeah, that's a hard time to, to slot a shoot into. And then it's winter. Yeah. So hence why we hold most of our events over the hot months. Um, guys can come. The weather's generally better and less damage to the farms for the landowners i guess but but yes i might move or, or i've got that, that winter event it might just stay in the middle of winter and you might just shoot it in the rain i don't know but i might move it up into march maybe we we had was it a month ago now a couple of guys coming out and i actually messaged them in the morning and said look the weather report is crap you're more than welcome i'll postpone it we can find another day this is a, a training course basically and they said you know what we're hunters we've got wet weather gear we will shoot in the wet and then I pointed, I, I pointed out, yeah, I wasn't really talking about you. I was talking about my labrador. That's actually what I was talking about. <laughs> but we, so they, they came out, they said they brought a tarp out. They set a tarp up. We had a, we had another tarp and it was actually, the, you know, the labrador stayed dried. We got a bit wet, but not too bad. It was actually quite a good day, you know? So yeah, that's it. Especially, I mean, I, I've shot Tirada. There was that day. Some days it seems to be freezing cold and raining and then stink hot in the afternoon and then finishes off with more rain. Yeah, I'm hoping it's like for some reason. Yeah, all the and to be nah. To be honest, just like 16 degrees and overcast would be nice. Now that it's I think slightly overcast, would be nice. So I'm not cooked at the end of the day. Actually, I really enjoyed your video about not getting dehydrated and cooked and, and burned the other day. Yeah, it's something oh, man, I've, I've, been I've still got looking into yeah, some sunburn going on. Yeah, I'm so still, we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm interested because yeah, I've, I've basically ordered a long sleeve light super lightweight merino long sleeve to work as a sun shirt you know and see because i've got the that uf pro the battle battle shirt essentially but that's hot man it's just it's mm. so you roll the right. sleeves up because it's so hot but i mean we're trying to finish up but you like that point south stuff i've never actually even dealt with it well that's what i've ordered so yeah. i've got um i've always i've like 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 many stuff, it's a company I've followed for years. I've read all their their reviews, technical stuff, and everything. It's New Zealand Merino. I mean, this is ironic of it. It goes from here over to America, I'm assuming, for the manufacturing design that comes back here. And you read their marketing material, and they're going on about all the New Zealand Merino. So um, I was, I've, I'm wearing icebreaker now. I love my merino, I really do. But um, there's a few things that this is going to sound like this is like you and your Howards now. Um, uh, there's a few things they do with the merino that gives it a little bit more um, potential robustness. So I mean, this thing's full of holes, which is awesome. The amount of water, I'm not that surprised. But if I can get lightweight with a little bit more durability, the coarse fun stuff's the way to go. What's that? Sorry. The core spun merino is the way to go. Yeah. They yep. spin it a different way and put nylon on it as well. And yeah. Last a whole lot longer. I think Point South call it Aero Wool, which is basically that. It's 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 a hybrid. It's a mix, you know, that's part synthetic, but using so so we'll see. So I've got that top. There's another guy up here who's just bought a pile of this stuff. So I think I may end up transitioning a bit of but it's twice the price of anything else in New mm. Zealand. So again, you're back into that. I don't know, but I'm I'm at the point. This is me. I'd prefer to buy a shirt, wear the wear the shit out of it, where I wear the thing nearly every day. Like my boots, I've worn my lowers nearly every single day for years. <laughs> so yes, it costs me more, and it's fine, you know. So anyway, so well, I'll let you know about the points, Alpha. It's interesting on it. So Blair, you've got a 22 shoot. 
Uh, you got the finals coming for Section 22, don't you? Yep, beginning of December is that one, but before that we've got uh, Reefton, um, 21st, 22nd of November, I think it is. Okay, yep. Over, over on Reef, over in Reefton, uh, Alpine Long Range Shoot. Alpine Long Range, yep. And then uh, 5th of December, PRS match at Sparrowhawk, Centrefires. And then mm -hmm. the Sunday is the 22 match uh, for the final. Um, nice. So I'm going to, yeah, come up with all the um, stages the next week or so and uh, find a way to really piss off the top guys. Nice uh, work. And just then, just try and piss Sam off if he's there. Yeah. Don't worry about anybody else. But really, yeah. just screw Sam's day. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you using? Sorry, segue. But are you using any of his um, twenty two targets? Yes. Yep. Yeah. We use so, use the spinners. We use um, uh, quite a few know your limits racks. Yep. Various various other stuff that he's got lying around that I steal off him. As he tends to do. Have yep. you, Graham? Have you checked out Simon's lot? Because he got uh, his, the spinners and stuff up. I think from Sam I, as well. I haven't had a look at them. I'm being that I work with steel for a living. That's, I, that's I generally true. make my own things for the most part. Even even centerfire targets, I just order the sheet in and cut it up myself. Um, the sort of but perks of doing what Graham. I do for a living. Spinners, so, spinners are awesome. I'm, I can make spinners. Oh, yeah. okay. um, I'm not sure you guys know what I do for a living. <laughs> I don't really know. I know you're yeah. in the oil. Um, well, <laughs> Matt's not here either. But then he does anyway. Um, no, I've got a one of his one of Sam's sets coming up as well. So we'll have a similar setup here. I've actually got two because I've I've ordered another set for somebody, and I think they still want it. If not, I'll end up with two of them, which is fine. We'll use them anyway. So yeah, we're giving away one of the spinners at the um, final of the twenty-two match as well. Yep. Someone will take one of the ones that we've been smashing for the last year. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be well running. Yeah, it's definitely working. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Well, you, you kind of came in late, Blair. But any uh, any closing thoughts? <laughs> no, no, nothing. Nothing at this stage, sorry. It's all good, man. Graham, you're good. Yeah, man. Never trust a fart. And I'll see you next week.